So um, we've had a good couple of weeks of shows. You know, Mark is doing a great job, even yeah. though he drives me fucking nuts yeah. sometimes. He's great. No, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. Good job, Mark. You can call uh, me, Mark Palmer. Mark Palmer's cool. Mark Palmer's. It's a beautiful day to be alive. Motherfuckers, it's a beautiful day. Beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to be alive. That's all I gotta say. I don't think it's about money. I think they have so much. It's just about. It's it's, it's a spiritual war, dude. It's so much farther. There's more power with spring flowers than pseudo-intellectuals filled by hate with the face sour. When it comes to the hour of reckoning, recollect, reconnect with days happening. Yeah, are you frowning or laughing? Are you making the brain or barely passing? Caught in the asinine like the afterlife. Obsessed with darkness after you master light. Cause it's faster than a blink. When it's a bastard, latch to the clank, clang. The money don't mean a damn thing. Think happiness ain't coming from the bank, dang. I'm out here daydreaming. The spirit's the egg, the self is the semen. Uh, and that's cause life is the child. And it takes a village to give it the inner style. So, if your family think you crazy, mm, and you ain't got a village, no, you always got a place here. Come kick it, we chillin'. Exactly, dude. You get it, bro. You're so smart, everybody. You're so smart. Feel like I'm waking up for the first time. Crusty's on my third eye, but I'm back to the grind. Pop the blinds open, let the sun shine. Feel it on my skin like it's been sometimes. Sometimes depression got me flaking like Sisyphus. Others got me messing with mania like Icarus. And meditation helps with the sickness. Some say it's human condition, but it just isn't. There's more power in spring flowers. The circular thoughts that leave the mind devoured. Blurred lines between reality and fiction. And some politicians get dirtier than dishes. But for a minute, just forget about the government. I'm looking at you and I and where the love went. Cause we don't need a fucking village full of cynics. Need a family to foster a life worth living if it isn't. And your family think you crazy. Yeah. And you ain't got a village. I know you always got a place here. Come kick it, we chillin', yeah. I'm a conspiracy boy.
an audio-symphonic mind temple, a temple whose boundaries are a blend of your imagination and shedding limitation, a program of thoughts and emotions that aim to deprogram you from the pop culture potion. You're looking at the world around you. Take notes. On the other side of this oral journey, you may find something eerily dissimilar about your surroundings. This may well be the longest podcast episode you've ever listened to. Others surely have gone longer, but this is the longest podcast on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast feed yet. So if you need to stop and take a break, we understand. I'm your host and guide for this episode. Mystic Mark, of course, is my name, and we've got many amazing guests in store. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 200 of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with my friends. Again, in a bigger and bigger way. And I wonder more and more about, you know, people keep asking, why is it happening? Why are we getting to talk about it? And people are always like, Andreas, you're like the first person to talk. No, I'm not the first person to talk about Tartaria. There's people who talk about for decades before me. And I think that I don't want to say that us as podcasters have done a disservice to to Tartaria by or to the to the exploration of Tartaria and the investigation by spreading the word because it's so important that people everything within that you know and you can build everybody up and have them make all your resources for you just so you can go retreat back into your fucking anthill you know while the rest of us fucking die off so I mean there dude there's some so many convoluted emotions I have about the fucking internet you know with the data mining and and all of that and just like the security flaws but also at the same time there's a massive amount of like enlightened enlightenment that can happen but you could see like each time each time that happened there was a triggering um but there was this also blending there was a reflecting in on itself as a conspiratorial worldview a, a, a psychedelic worldview um, kind of came into to, to, <laughs> uh, to, to, to almost mate and to become this like synchromystic, you know, sort of thing, like where it all came from. Like when you go and you watch that and you undoubtedly are, are part of that tradition. People that he would do famous for, they would do famous for us. And of course, as a kid, I didn't know who these people were. They were just friends of the family. But it turns out these people had like really big organized crime connections. And then, and I actually had somebody ask me this the other day. They're like, "Well, how were these people ending up in your town?" Well, because this is where their this is where their cabins were, their camps. Just happened to turn out that way. Like they came here to like get away from Providence, you know. So all the stuff was Rhode Island based. If you want to know who ran Rhode Island, just Google it. It's real fucking simple. But these people were all like members of that organization or associates of that organization. So that's how I ended up being an associate of that organization. Because these people could tell when I was young that I was a little bit more advanced mentally, like in a in a criminal kind of way. <laughs> yeah, and they liked that. And they liked how I was easier to deal with than my dad. Because I looked at the bigger picture, not the picture like in front of your nose, like four or five steps out. 
Boom. We're in. You look well fed. You get drinking a coffee like me. I have some coffee as well. And then yeah, you're like, like, it's like nine o'clock. I'm drinking coffee right now. And then I'm like, why can't I go to sleep? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had those nights uh, very often lately. I started drinking iced coffee. It's so hot here. I hated iced coffee, but they finally got me. The heat got to me. I started putting ice cubes in my espresso. I hate iced coffee too. I, I really do. It's only good if you put like a, a ton of like sugar in it. That's what I do. You give it texture. Right. Uh, outside of that, iced coffee can suck it. Okay. And especially, listen, I must say this to you. Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee can suck it. Okay. I, I, I mean, like it's nothing like, dude, it can't even come close to the to Starbucks iced coffee. And the Starbucks iced coffee can suck it too, but not as much as as Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee is just dirt water, bro. And I'm putting that out there. Wow. Come at me, Dunkin' Donuts. Get you get a little texture to your dirt water. You're selling as caffeine coffee. Right. I agree. I'm in the heart of Dunkin' Donuts territory out here in New England. So my local listeners might be offended. Uh, I will say I have been to a Starbucks with Sam in Philadelphia and, uh, I was a little disgusted, Sam, because I'm a snob. I go to fancy coffee shops for my coffee and pay way I'm too much. I'm not against that, dude. I'm <laughs> not against that either. I do like local coffee over everything. Well, and I'm you guys, you guys have your own scene, your own flavors out there on the West Coast, but uh, you're not a West Coast guy, Sam. You are a West Coast guy now, but you know many people might not know this. You're uh, somewhat of an East Coaster, rather the burned-over district. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but you're from what's called the burned-over district. It's also known as the Psychic Highway, and you're here on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast, so we got to get a little bit of the gooey stuff out of the way. It's truly an honor to have you one-on-one -on -one and be in the host position because I've been on 27 different podcasts with you. 27 27 Jeez. i counted it today i've been on the union of the unwanted six times and i'm not sure i think two of those times you weren't there so we we won't count those but i'm 27 years old so i was like that's weird that i've been on that 27 of sam's shows i've been on i zero. can't believe i was 22 years old when you were born wow and it's 2022 Damn, <laughs> Montreal. You're going to have people just doing wacko shit to oh, this. Oh, God. Yeah, well, we got some wackos that uh, tune in and some that harass on Twitter, but we don't need to talk about that. I've been on zero six times, so I'll just take, Respect. The, belt. I'll take the belt right now for uh, zero champion. Um, and then I've also done two in-person podcasts with you. Uh, one from your hotel room in Indianapolis talking about the Illuminati card game that we found in Indianapolis and then um, one in Philadelphia. So yeah. Well, respect on that, bro. Respect All that aside, that. it's truly a pleasure, brother. The first podcast we ever did was in March of 2020 and my life has changed tremendously since. Uh, the name of my podcast comes from a moment where I told my family, my extended family, I said to them, oh, yeah, I'm working for this comedian in Los Angeles now. They're like, what? What happened to your great job at Amazon? I'm like, oh, I quit that because of the pandemic. And they're like looking at me like I just co committed like social suicide or something. Like, who's this comedian you're working for? And I'm like, 
my family thinks I'm crazy. That's it, you know, and it just dawned on me and uh, enough about me. You're well, you know, that means your family must have had high expectations for you, which uh, isn't the case with me. I mean, my parents obviously love me, but um, there's zero expectations of me. Uh, when you when you're held back in first grade and your teacher and your parents are both teachers, that's never a great sign of uh, things to come. I mean, you're held back in first grade. They're already looking for store receipts so they can get store credit, right? So uh, my expectations or expectations of me uh, from others was very low. Uh, expe expectations of myself were very high. Mm. And at some point, they, they were the only things keeping me going on that. So the fact that people thought you were crazy means they expected something out of you, which is very nice. Absolutely. And I was a nerd dork for most of my childhood. So that's where those expectations came from. And I still am to some degree, as you probably Did you get know. a black belt in Taekwondo? Well, I have, a, I have a belt. I don't have a black belt in Taekwondo, but I do have a belt in martial arts. And I've competed in several Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu championships, several wrestling championships. And uh, my senior year, I took my team to uh, championship as the captain of the wrestling team, along with three other captains but yeah so i should have had a brown belt in uh croft i mean in jkd but i decided to go to my prom because my teacher wouldn't move the test one week for me so i had to go to my prom because i thought i was gonna get laid and then my prom day ended up leaving me and banging a 10th grader and i didn't get my brown belt what up but i would have got my brown belt so i did achieve brown belt status in jean kundo mm. I love that. Jeet Kundo was incredibly inspirational. I had all of Bruce Lee's books as it a was, young It was MMA artist. before there was MMA. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the, the concepts basically created MMA. Yeah. This idea that you should take the best moves from all the different styles and find what works yeah. for you. The only thing that wasn't prevalent at that time to the level it is now is jujitsu. Mm. That's the only thing that isn't in JKD. But if Ed Jiu-Jitsu had been around, it would probably have made its way into JKD. And so, uh, yeah, JKD was the original. And I, you know, and I wanted a black belt. I still want a black belt. I have many friends of mine who have black belts. Mm. And that is how my manifest uh, is to get a black belt in Krav Maga. And I know I'm going to have to get my ass beat to do it, but I'm willing to sacrifice. Yeah, my, my first martial arts instructor ever was a black belt in Krav Maga. He bragged about his uh, friendship with Chuck Norris and all that. And I only went to his school for a couple of years, but yeah, he made quite the impression on me. He was notoriously a bodyguard for a very wealthy oil guy in my town. Uh, so that's that was my introduction to martial arts as well as the UFC. My cousin Kyle, who's a state champion wrestler. And uh, yeah, you just made me think of something. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is interesting because we have the land of the tiger in Japan and China, right? In that martial arts world that was influenced. And then it, it makes its way over to South America, the land of the jaguar, right? And if yeah. you've ever seen a jaguar fight another jaguar, they, they leap at each other and they slide on their back. So they go on their back. And most people are like, why would, why would you fight from your back? But it's some of the most deadly moves you can pull on someone from your back yeah. arm bars leg yeah. locks all that stuff so 
yeah i mean ma- ma- imagine if you were like imagine if you're watching national geographic and you see a jaguar throw a fucking arm bar on like a cheetah or something like that that'd be crazy dude if you had the claws and teeth that a jaguar had you wouldn't need arm bars you're just straight slapping people yeah, man, <laughs> it's out there it's dangerous getting like that out there in the streets man walking around dude mm. i mean yeah. you got i mean i walk around with a knife in hollywood i walk the late night streets Walking my pug. People are jacking pugs now because they somewhat look like fucking fr- Frenchies. Mm. Well, I don't people, even know why people are stealing Frenchies. Those are like they're they're cool looking dogs, but they're like they're health wise awful. Mm. Well, people people listening know that you are the uh, champion of podcasts. You have over seven podcasts. I, I do a full intro and Broken Simulation is where you. Uh, wander around Los Angeles looking for danger and then talk about it with Johnny. So people are well aware. I'm sure they listen to that. And if they don't, they should. Word on the street is you are making, you're trying to uh, make a run at my title. Well, let's see. Let me count how many shows I have. We have My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. We have Illuminati Confirmed. We have Your Handbook for the Apocalypse that I do with Michael Wan. We have Freethinker Society that I do with Mike Romanelli. And then the newest podcast, which you just learned about, thanks to Chad Stemke, uh, my co-host, uh, <clears throat> as, long, as well as my girlfriend and, and Roman, is Esoteric America. So that's just five. So I'm not anywhere close to you it. You got two more to go. You're, you're a lot harder of a worker than I am. I don't know if I could pull that off. But what? No, you're a hard worker, bud. You definitely hustle, man. And, well, you know, it's like you're building something from nothing, and that's pretty impressive. Thank you. And I am aspiring and have been inspired by you and your work for a long time. And it's surreal for me to, again, have you on the show and also work for you because I was such a big fan of, of Tinfoil Hat and still am um, at least six years ago, I think. I mean, I've been listening since the off the grid Ryan days. And I do want to ask you a few questions about your upbringing. But since we're here, what was your favorite guest from the off the grid Ryan days. Cause you talk a lot about some of the influential guests that have made a big impression on you. And I'm familiar with a few of them, but who are, who are the big guests from like the first hundred episodes that really made an impression on you? That's interesting. Cause you had a lot of comedians back on. I love that because that's how I found you. I found you just by getting yeah, the, the show definitely and- changed and it changed with Ryan Davis right. off the grid uh, going after, um, just trying to figure, uh, you know, just bring it on. And I'm going to be honest with you. It got very dark too. It was very, very, very dark. What we had it? Lucian oh. Graves on the founder of the, the satanic church or whatever. The Yeah. The which is very it. interesting, dude, because I think it would be a much different conversation today than before. Yeah. Well, I he'd probably more... be wearing a mask and a face, <laughs> face shield too. <laughs> Well, he would, yeah, for 100%. Isn't that weird? Like, but, you know, a lot of things coming out, his, what his real name is, uh, you know, the fact that he's like a Democratic, like, um, uh, fundraiser, stuff like that. That was stuff to get into. My understanding of what science, uh, you know, Satanism is, like all that stuff. So uh, I'm now looking at the top 100. Who are some of my favorite podcasts? Yeah, we had like Eddie Pepitone. Abby Martin is always great, of course. Um, I Jay Dyer. Really? Go ahead. What, what? Which one was that? Dude, it's just super interesting. Some of the people I have on, they were very much, you know, uh, they're very much comedian oriented. 
Hmm. Well, and it was a great, it was a great foray into the topic because I think that's something as a non-comedian I try to do, uh, you know, with certain shows that I do is bring a comedic element to it and, and it relaxes people. It's one of the biggest reasons why I loved your show because a lot of times I would listen to these denser conspiracy podcasts and it would be like doom and gloom. And then to listen to your show, it's like a little bit of like the nonsensical comedy mixed with the truth, which is what people are really, really dying for nowadays. But back then it was still kind of fringe. And yeah, I, I thought it was amazing uh, what you're doing and I still do. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Any, I'm looking at some of these well, like, uh, you know, Jason Louvre was great. Uh, Jason Louvre was great. Uh, I enjoyed having him on like, dude, I mean, Trish the Dish, she was from way back in the day. Remember Magnora 7, right? Magnora, that that one was interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, look at these. These are all, like, super interesting. It was very much, like, back when Tim Dillon would come on my show, he was, I was the first one of the West Coast people to put Tim Dillon well, his, on a podcast his podcast uh, it still is but back when it was tim dylan is going to hell i mean they would just rail against conspiracies i mean they were interviewing different people like nick bryant and things so yeah tim tim had that reputation that you shared back then but obviously uh, that's did. where i i met the um grimerica guys that was a great thing you know um you I'm know this you is what because I, I learned about them through your show and they they've been a, a really educational show in my life. I mean, the the guests they talk to are always very unique, and they have their own Canadian perspective, which is always interesting. How about this one, dude? When we did the comedy store, mm. I mean, did the imp uh, the la the excuse me the Ice House, and we had Eddie Bravo and Jimmy Dore on. <laughs> uh yeah. So those are so that's the problem. Not that it's a problem, but. Duncan Trussell, that was a big show. The biggest things that blew up my show um, were my dad's, I mean, uh, where is it? Episode one, where is it? Here it is. December 13th, 2016, the first guest is out the gate, Eddie Bravo. You know? And then I got into Dr. Mary's Monkeys, which was crazy. Mm -hmm. Then I wasn't even, um, you know, then I wasn't even, uh, you know, like naming, giving them names. I was just naming the guest. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it starts with, it starts with Eddie Bravo, episode five, where it's like JRE 911 because he had just had Alex Jones back on. That was a big show. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then episode eight, Greg Carwood from the Higher Side Chats. That's so funny. So around that time, and it's weird how like driving, listening to podcasts, you sort of like, for me at least, you ever heard of like a mind palace or a memory palace, how people like memorize things by visualizing? Yeah. So this happens to me while I'm driving. It's like the world becomes like the memory palace. And I could, I could remember certain podcasts based on where I was driving. And I remember learning about the Mandela effect the first time I ever went to Philadelphia. And you know the Philadelphia experiment is about the Mandela effect and maybe connected to it. And I found a book in a weird bookstore called an anarchist bookstore in Philadelphia called the Tinfoil Hat Guide, okay? 
And then the first time you and I met, it was in New York City, but the, the first time you and I did a podcast, it was in Philadelphia, the first time we did a podcast in person. So I was like, Damn. you remember that? I, when I yes. first started working for you, I came down, Augustino yes. Zoido was there. I met a couple Philly comics. That's where we were going to do a show with David Lugo. And then we took off because I panicked. And he's like, where are you going? I'm like, I got to get this done. He's like, dude, we'll fix it. It's all good. And then we came back and we did the podcast. Mm. So he, a lot of people ask, what, what, how did, how did, what happened with uh, Tim Fallhat? Where did it blow up? And I'll tell you exactly where it blows up. I, I, you know, you got to understand something. I mean, one of these guys' podcasts was super big at the time, but you know, obviously, I opened up with Eddie Bravo. I, I knew Eddie Bravo for you know, like probably since the early two thousands, right? And I, so what happened was I was doing this show with another buddy of mine. We love each other, but we had a falling out on a podcast. And we ended the podcast. And, you know, at this time, Hillary Clinton is jacking the the primary from Bernie Sanders. Everybody on the left is talking about it. Jimmy Dore, Lee Camp. I'm watching all these people breaking it down. I'm like, God dang, I guess something's going on. But I'm really interested. I'm, and I'm always talking politics. And so I, I uh, decide to start to, uh, a podcast. And I'm like, what is the name that I want to use? And I always thought even though later on i realized they were a psyop that nwa was the best name because you kind of took the word that you thought people hated or or used to discriminate against you and kind of own it so i decided what is the most uh you know taboo conspiracy term and i thought it was tinfoil hat so i'm like i'm gonna name it tinfoil hat and right out the gate everyone's like dude that's the dumbest name ever Nobody's going to do your show, but it ends up being the reason why people tune into it. So Eddie Bravo at the gate, we have a fun conversation, but the show really blows up episode 25 to 26. And I go back to back on Swapcast with Duncan Trussell and Doug Stanhope. And that's where kind of the show takes a quantum leap. I've known Doug Stanhope since the early nineties. Duncan Trussell's why I got into the comedy store and um, so, yeah, that's kind of interesting. And, uh, you know, I've known these guys forever. It's so weird because we all eventually got in to podcasting. You know, Duncan and I were a, some of the OGs of the Death Squad crew. You know, we were early Death Squad, which was like Death Squad to me was like historic in that it was the first time you were seeing like a group of guys who couldn't get any kind of love that they really wanted with the industry using death, using podcasts to get a following. And, you know, obviously their shows blew up more than mine, mine, the naughty show. I never got the traction that I always thought it deserved. I think if I'd done it today, I think it would get a lot more love than it did before. Cause you know, Gareth Reynolds went on to do the dollop and that became huge. And it was me, him, Jason Tebow, uh, this woman named Vicky Pezza at one point. And we were interviewing porn stars and it was getting fucking weird and it was fun. And I was really like laying into my drugs and my sex addiction at the time. So it was like a kid in the candy store. And uh, mm -hmm. but it couldn't get the traction because 
it was like a lot more conservative then. Now it's like you got Legion of Skanks, you got Adam 22 who's crushing it and people are a lot more open-minded to it. Uh, but we were all outlaws. Joey Diaz, Ari Shafir, the Segoras. I mean, he had them all. Brandon Walsh. These are all great shows that all started on Death Squad. Uh, you know, Kill Tony, uh, you know, Red Band, Ice House Chronicles, all that fucking shit. It was like when like comedy really leaned in to um, to podcasting. And, you know, make no doubts about it, the, the East Coast wanted nothing to do with podcasting, like in terms of comedy, like the New York City scene was very slow to get to it because they were they were way more into stand up like David Tell. I don't think I've he goes on skanks every now and then. But David Tell, I don't think he ever has made his own podcast. And Louis C.K., the only podcast he's ever done was Matt and Shane's recently. So, yeah, yeah he's starting a- to do more of them. Yeah, it's interesting. He was just on Schultz's podcast. But yeah, I, I mean, you are definitely a veteran, man. And it's a again, it's an honor to to have you here. And you know, you've been doing this for a while with a lot of really influential people. And I think this podcasting movement that you're a part of uh, has helped comedy in a big way. It's helped comics through this past pandemic. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, but doing the Naughty Show... Is it correct? You're at Playboy Radio. Is there some elements yeah, to that dude. that maybe you rethink, you've rethought now that you're the conspiracy rabbit hole master? Go on. Sorry about that. One more time. That's all right. I, have you rethought? You know, a lot of that time now that you know what you know about conspiracies. You know, being that close to like you know uh, Hugh Hefner and that whole deal. Were you? Well, close make to no that doubts or? about it, bro. I had a show on uh, Playboy Radio. And they were playing my my stuff about 17 times a week. But I never went to the Playboy Mansion ever. Nobody ever invited me. I never went there. And by the time I could have gone there, it was dead. You know, it was all the old guys who kept going to the party. Because once you were invited once, you were always welcome. And it got had all these old dudes that were coming back. And nothing against old dudes as I slowly become an old dude. But uh, obviously you know, the cycle of life. And uh, so I never went there and it was just a free studio. I mean, I felt like, cause at the time I, I, I still loved Howard Stern. I, I thought he was great and I wanted to be on Howard Stern. I wanted to be Howard Stern. And uh, so I was like, dude, this would be great. I got, I had the most gorgeous studio. I, I couldn't, but when people would walk in, they'd be like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, yeah. And we just, it was a blessing, man. It was so cool. I get to go to Playboy Radio, sit in, and just got to talk to a guy who I consider to be the funniest human being on the planet, which is Gareth Reynolds. And it was just a good time. We got to interview porn stars. And, you know, Gareth and I always talk to each other. It's, we always go, we didn't realize how good we had it. Mm. But I wouldn't go back to it again. I, I, that that part of my life is done. Well, and in I do like dirty is- totally superseded radio. I mean, most radio stations are dying to get podcasts to convert to their format so they could even, you know, switch over. But yeah, podcasting has taken over that whole thing. And the dollop great show holds up. I don't know if they still do episodes regularly, but uh, it's a great show. A lot of history in that show too. It's funny. Well, you know, uh, I got Gareth Reynolds into podcasting. Tell us about that. 
So basically, we were both auditioning for the same role on Steve Burns' new show, uh, which was the um, Stanford, Stanford and Sons, and the one that uh, Vince Vaughn was producing. And the role ended up going to Brian Scalaro. Uh, I played the I played the role all wrong. I took a, a artistic um, chance, and I am a shitty actor. I I I would never want to be an actor for two reasons. One, I can't act, and like my natural my natural way of talking would be considered bad acting. Mm-hmm. And then two. Uh, I hate what they call coverage and coverage is where you have to shoot the same scene over and over again, but from different camera angles. And I just, I would, I would go nuts. I just couldn't do it. So yeah. that seems uh, like some kind of MK ultra programming going on with that. But uh, yeah, I don't blame you. And it seems you're, you've been typecast as a strip club goer. That's the, those are the, yeah, that's a, I've that's seen the I mean, like one movie and a couple docs, and I prefer docs because I can just go in there and talk. I don't have to re- rehearse lines and nail lines and try to act like normal. And but by the way, it's just acting now is just saying your lines and staring at the camera. They they've minimalized it just so you you just have to be attractive. But the whole thing was we were auditioning. Gareth was in the room with me, and I knew Gareth through Steve Byrne. And I'm like, hey, why don't you come on my show? And he did the show. He made me laugh so hard. I'm like, you should be on the show. He's like, uh, okay. So he came on the show and the rest is history. And I don't get along with his co-host. I think he's, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to be a positive guy. We just don't see the world the same way, but I'm happy for Gareth Reynolds. I love him very much. And I think he's great. And you know, I got him on, the, I got him in the podcast and now that's kind of his thing now. Yeah, that's really cool. There's a lot of people that you've come up with that are incredibly interesting, but you yourself are very interesting, Sam. I want to ask you something before we go too far into the present. Uh, tell us this hat story, because you are from the burned-over district, the psychic highway, where these uh, Fox sisters blazed a, a new idea into the American consciousness that became the spiritualist movement that created the seances and the the interest in things like Ouija boards and Halloween and all the spooky stuff. Uh, you're muted, Sam. What'd you just say? From upstate New York. You didn't know this? I did not know. So that. the the Fox sisters are from Rochester, New York. Damn. So that's I'm imagining pretty close to you. And also the Finger Lakes close. are very interesting as well. So, I'm just gonna tell you something about my my childhood. That's very interesting. My mother, who I love with all my heart, doesn't like to leave her house. She's not a big leave the house person. She likes to stay in her house. And so we didn't venture to a lot of places. We would drive through Rochester to Niagara Falls, uh, but we would never uh, stop anywhere. The, the, The state fair was 20 miles from my house. It was a big deal. My mother never went to the state fair, not once. As a child, it wasn't until I was much older that I went. And then even then I was like, this is hot garbage. But as a kid, I probably would have loved it. But my mother never wanted to do any of that stuff, which is fine. I love her. She's a great mom. But all these amazing places I ended up, you know, never really experiencing. I I went back to Rochester a couple of times to do stand up. Uh, But to be honest with you, man, 
most of my time up to my 18th birthday was spent in Cortland, just outside, and then maybe Homer. But that's about it. And the weird thing about upstate New York, and it's probably similar to where you live, is that you can drive anyway 20 minutes and find a city you've never heard of that was right next to you that's been there forever. And you'd never even heard of this city, and it's only 20 minutes away. Whereas in LA, if someone's like, hey, dude, it's about 20 minutes away from me, I'll be like, okay, I'll go. And that means nothing. Even an hour drive in Los Angeles doesn't mean anything because you got to drive an hour. <laughs> yeah. Well, the town I'm in is 400 years old, if that says anything. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And I've talked to you about this in the s small opportunities I have to, to tell you about the strange mysticism of of New York. But yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people, Sam. I don't think that's that all that strange. I remember not really going very far up until I was able to drive myself. And the first three cars I had were so like hand me down beaters that I couldn't guarantee I'd get home if I went more than three towns away. So it wasn't until I, I bought got my home. first car for $800. I drive it half a mile. The engine blows up. <laughs> oh my God. My father almost had a story. fist fight with the guy. <laughs> My father almost got in a fist fight with the guy. So, uh, that day. And, uh, so I, it's so car? weird because it was an Oldsmobile and really? it just cr boom exploded. Then we were driving my mom, my mother, let me drive her sob and we ran it into the ground. I was the first one to drive. Cause I was again, held back in first grade. So I was a little older than everybody else. Mm, okay. And so I was the first one to get a car. We had we 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 had a yellow uh, station wagon that we brought to this guy because my dad grew up poor, so he always had a soft spot for poor people, and he always wanted to help kids. Like people would steal my bike, and my father would like take my rims back and give them the bike because he felt bad for them because he was poor as a kid. So that was my father. So my father once gave. Uh, this guy, my car to fix, and the guy just took forever. He wouldn't fix it. He was a real scumbag guy. And after we got our car back, like two weeks later, he got busted for just driving past a woman on her bike, turning around, and running her over. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah wow. dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, upstate New York, dude, it's, I call it hood, hood farmers. It's, it's ghetto country. Right. Like, right. it's like redneck, but it's not redneck, but it's a different kind of redneck. And it's hood. And what does it's that say? Hood. What does it say about the the cultural programming that's happened to the black people, black people in this country? That there's this whole subsect of white people called wiggers now that are like a totally different culture in and of themselves. I mean, that's kind of like what we have around here. They're not quite hood country. There's not enough country where I live, but there are a lot of wiggers. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's like because it's a. It, it, it is, it's like, think about what it is. Get cash, bang chicks. It's real simple shit, you know? Right. And what? And again, what I talk about on my show all the time, it's like, if it's really simple, it's probably not good for you. Hmm. Anything that's real simple, whether it's like game shows, you know, uh, anything Jimmy Fallon does on television, probably not good for you, right? The music, probably not good for you. Uh, the food you eat, if you can get in two minutes, it's probably not good for you. Yeah. 
I would say like, I would say that would be more cheap than anything because I think the finer things in life are some of the simpler things like uh, the simpleness of just sitting by a, a beautiful stream and taking it all in, you know. Yeah, but you got to be able to like sit yourself down, do that, find that, go there, be okay with it. All this stuff that gets involved with just doing that. It's like, yeah, I mean, maybe it is. I don't know what the exact. That's, that's, that's what gets into something that I know you hammer this point in a lot on your show is be your own pirate ship, build your own, build your own business, be your own boss, you know? And, and I find like that point you just made, like not true for me. Cause Hey, I do this podcasting thing. Thanks to you, uh, full time. You know, I, you help me out by paying me every week and I have other folks that I work for as well. But for the most part, you're my only boss, you know, and you're a great boss by the way. Um, I am great. So for me, I could go sit by a stream. I mean, me and my girlfriend went and swam in a lake today. No big deal, you know. Um, but well, I, think I get that. Important. I, I don't know what do the that. term would be. I don't know what the term would be. But whatever, you know, like low frequency music is, low frequency behavior is, you know, right. whatever no, that you. that would be, right. which is to me really easy shit. Right. I don't know why, but going down every and sitting by the stream and taking in nature seems to be a little bit more different. But it's, it's it's what I say about you know in in recovery, like sobriety is easy. It's really easy, but using and abusing is hard, right? Like especially if you're trying to get into recovery to go and be in sobriety and then decide to relapse or do drugs and all that stuff. All everything that goes into doing that because the lying, the hiding, all that stuff becomes really difficult. Not using, not abusing is really easy. So that's what I'm saying. I understand completely. And I think you make a, a great point and you express that often on, on Zero, which is another fantastic podcast that if people aren't listening to, I've been on it six times, go check it out. And there's a bunch of way better guests than I who have been on the show as well. But uh, it's a fire show, bro. It's on fire. Oh, and the telegram's fire on fire, show. too. We got 600 plus people in there now. Yeah. I want to get that to a thousand people talking spirituality. And most people, I get why they like Tim Fulha. I love Tim Fulha. I do not understand how you could do Tim Fulha and not be into zero, mm. but everyone's on their own path. Right. They, I feel like they're peanut butter and jelly. You know, they have to go together in order for you to deal with all this. And then it just gets really, it's like, once you start, like, you know, I'm re I love conspiracies, but I'm beyond that shit. You know, I'm like, I'm past that. There's a lot of conspiratainment out there. Like there's this level of like, you know, just degenerates who just say everything's a conspiracy. And then there's a level above that that's conspiratainment. And then there's what you do, which has a message. You're looking for the truth. You have integrity about what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. And you're a stand-up comic. So being a podcaster goes hand in hand with the role, at least now in, in 2022. Uh, and you do great at both. So yeah, it makes sense for you to have podcasts. And I think that you're without zero, I wouldn't be here in a certain extent. I mean, I had a podcast before I was a guest on your show, but wasn't really going anywhere with it. And, and yeah, man, the, the power of positivity and, and manifesting, it's incredibly important. And I wanted to ask you as someone who kind of was insulated to some degree in your upbringing, only spending your time in, you know, a small area, 
how do you feel now about like traveling to all the places you've traveled? I mean, you've been to the Middle East. You've probably been to uh, Australia, I imagine. I don't, maybe yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, you've been to so many places as a comedian. I mean, that's that's the goal for a lot of people is to travel and see the world, and it's it's not easy to find a job that can make that feasible. Yeah, man. I mean, like again, uh, expectations of me were very low coming out, you know, it's like I was not meant for school. Uh, I wasn't meant to sit down. I wasn't meant to listen. I wasn't meant for any of that. But I was I was meant to talk shit and I was good at it. I, you know, things work out for a reason. Uh, I talk a lot about my childhood. I never, me and my friends weren't really f fighters. We never really, I stopped fighting at some point physically and it became verbal combat very early. Uh, I talk about all the time. We used to go to this place called Pontillo's Pizza that's still there, one of the, some of the best pizza in upstate New York. And we would go there on a Friday. We'd sit in the booth. And if you were caught in this one section of the booth, you just got verbally annihilated. And you had to learn to, you know, spit back. And I got very good at it. And I went to college and I just started lighting motherfuckers up right out the gate. And how do you feel though as a west coast comic now so to speak with that style because i feel like a lot of east coast comics that i hear have that ball buster sensibility that a lot of east coast people comic or not just naturally have i mean i grew up like that too you know you were picking on each other not because you hated each other but because it's like an endearing thing it's like you're 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 testing each other sharpening each other's steel and in that way you became you know a ronin you, your steel was sharpened in the fire that was that t table in that restaurant right so you know do you do you feel like a difference when you're amidst the more improv centric west coast comics that maybe don't bust each other's balls because they, they well, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, like right now in L.A., it's much different than when I originally got here. Mm. And I used to listen to, you know, people from the East Coast talk about how shitty stand-up was in L.A. And I just never saw it. And it used to be like you would go to L.A. and, you know, you could say some pretty crazy shit and then you go on the road and then you'd have to double down. Well, it's changed now. Uh, LA has become what people have always thought it was in my humble opinion. Now, I could have been biased cause I only knew LA. Um, so yeah, man, it, it's kind of crazy. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know what the future of comedy is in LA. I'm, you know, there's a, there was a time at the comedy store, which is called the dark period. And I was uh, a big part of that. Uh, I was running and gunning and making bad decisions, but I was also helping try to figure out how to bring it back. And at one point I just loaded up the whole middle of the lineup. They were all friends of mine. I got in Steve Byrne, Brian Callen, Al Magical, Ian Edwards. They got in, uh, you know, uh, Sarah Tiana, Jessica, Michelle Singleton. I, I got in all these people and, so like I helped build, I, I built the middle up so much that I got moved to the back of the lineup uh, and I ended up becoming a uh, kind of edgy, uh, the edgy guy at the end of the night, which I still love and I still do. Um, so I always help bring it back. And then, it, then Joe Rogan comes back and obviously he's the biggest reason that it blows up. And then we get into this period at the comedy store, which would be considered the greatest time ever at the comedy store, even the people who were there for the first you know, like gold rush 
um, or, or, you know, the golden era would say that the second one was the best. That was the Joe Rogan, Joey Diaz time there, Bill Burr as well. And, you know, then the COVID hit and that all went away. And now we're in another build it up type thing. And I've had my friend just text me. It's like time to save LA comedy again. And we'll see what we can do. I'm a little older now. I have kids. It's not really my job. Like I didn't take it. Like I took it real personal back in the day to build up the comedy store because I knew what they needed. And I would be out on the, out, you know, doing all these clubs, seeing all these killers and bring them over. And I'd figured out how to get people in. It was a very simple thing. I would sit next to Mitzi. I would talk them up. I would block anybody from trying to hijack their, their, um, their showcase and I would help get them in and battle for them. It was very interesting because for some reason, the booker at the time, the comedy store thought, thought Brian Callen was too much like Joe Rogan, which, and if you saw their acts, they couldn't be more different. There was a running joke that Brian Callen and Joe Rogan were like half brothers, which wasn't true, but you know, so I had to defend Brian to get him in and she eventually picked him up. And I remember Brian going, well, I guess I'm doing stand up again. And he went on his kind of journey. So that's kind of like what I did. So I feel this real need, even though I not as much as I did before to help build it back up and go up on stage and just rattle cages. And I'm, I'm old punk rock comedy. Like I'm like before Seinfeld comedy. Like I, I, I feel that there is, there's nothing wrong with, fucking rattling the cages of your audience that this notion of that everything has to be last 24 seven is just ridiculous. That used to be for corporate comics and there's nothing wrong with people making a dollar, but you know, you would do corporate gigs. That was it. And then this became this infection in the comedy, which, which was brought in by Jerry Seinfeld, who I love. And like his career is amazing. His standup was great. Uh, but he was used by the industry to kind of kneecap what Sam Kennison and Dice and Richard Pryor and George Carlin, Bill Hicks were all doing. The, the, the stop that and bring it into like observational comedy. And that's what happened for a very long time until podcasting came and YouTube came. And then once podcasting YouTube came, you started getting unfiltered real shit. And I don't know about you, but maybe it's my algorithm. Maybe I'm just wrong, but it just seems like YouTube is getting a little bit more gritty than it used to be. Uh, they'll never let conspiracies, or at least for me, I'm like on their lie. If you see this guy, arrest him immediately. Cool. I'm, I, I hear you 100%. I mean, it's, it's crazy what YouTube does, but I remember Google video days and that was like where I first saw like uh, loose change and you and I have both, uh, spoken with Jason Burmes, who uh, was behind that really awesome documentary. And yeah, man, the internet has changed a lot. I mean, I'm only 27 years old. So like you said earlier, you're 22 when I was born and I've seen the internet pretty much my whole life. They gave it to me in, in middle school, but yeah, it, it's, it's very compelling, you know, what's happening now. I think there is a great awakening happening to some extent. And I think comedy deserves uh, praise and really the, the proper due uh, diligence or, or credit is the proper term for 
what they've done to expand the mind. I mean, Joe Rogan obviously is one example of that. You were just a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast, nearly 500 or 1,000 or something episodes since your last appearance, but we won't get too far into that. Um, when it comes to one of Joe Rogan's buddies, Eddie Bravo, I want to ask you about him because I remember when I first started smoking weed, uh, I was a wrestler and a martial artist, and I don't blame Eddie Bravo, but I will say among the many factors that contributed to me being like, all right, I'll try weed. Cause I was originally just a straight edge kid. I saw, you know, what alcohol did to people at a young age. And I was just like, all right, I'm never going to do drugs ever, you know? Yeah. And then, and then I see like Bruce Lee taking pounds of cannabis, grinding it up and, and eating it like a milkshake, you know? And then I see like a, a YouTube video of Eddie Bravo, like ripping a bra a bong and then like doing the twister and inventing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu moves. And that had a big impact on me. I was like, wow, this could be, you know, a, a, a plant that I use for my development. And it worked that way. I mean, no joke, ever since I've started smoking, and I know this isn't an ex experience that's true for everyone, so I don't want to endorse smoking weed. But for me, it sharpened my mind. And I got to give Eddie Bravo a little bit of credit for helping me ease into it uh, because you know, martial arts and cannabis went hand in hand for me. And it was cool to see an example of that. So when did you meet Eddie Bravo? How did you become friends with him? I just, I got picked up at the world famous comedy store and, and Joe Rogan was one of the few big names that were still performing there. Uh, a lot of people didn't want to be at the comedy store at the time because uh, it had lost kind of its allure. Uh, Mitzi Shore, who's like the best ever. Um, she had uh, just did not care about celebrities and did not care about the industry. So nobody really wanted to go there. She, she had her people and, you know, as I get older, dude, and I start seeing people I know I love not get the spots they used to or not get spots at all. I feel for people to, you know, father time is undefeated. But what happened at the comedy store is right when I had gotten to this, uh, to LA, which was to, uh, 1999, uh, Mitzi decided to gut the lineup and she just cut bait with a lot of people. And, and today I feel for those people cause that, that had to be traumatizing. Uh, but it was out with the old and with the new, and that is just life. Life is that there's a cycle to life. You're not meant to be doing the same things you were doing when you were 25 years old when you're 45, you know, and that's kind of the way it is. So my, um, so I got picked up and I was lucky. Well, one of the people that were kept around was Joe Rogan. He was on news radio and he just basically right around then and just started doing UFC shit. And he started doing, uh, and this is what's crazy about Joe. He's kind of the face of a couple things. Reality television with Fear Factor. Joe was one of the first guys to do that. And he got really crazy. Well, Joe, hold on a second. What, Dana? No shit. So long story short, because apparently the peanut gallery isn't liking this explanation. Okay. But the, yeah, she just snortled. Listen to me. Um, so Joe was there 
and Eddie was his best friend and Eddie would hang out all the time and we would just talk constantly. And that's when, you know, Joe Rogan, Joey Diaz, Eddie Bravo, they were the, you know, those three were like always together all the time. And that's where I met him. We were friends forever. So, so when I started uh, the podcast, of course, he's the first one I call and go, Hey dude, let's talk some conspiracy stories. He's like, yeah, for sure. And you listen to him and he hears what the name of the podcast is, Tim Fall Hat. He's like, what, really? And he was kind of like, I don't know about that. But later on, he's like, dude, that's brilliant. That's so fucking smart, man. And now he's got a show on Rockfin. So he's doing his and he'll instantly be the best conspiracy podcast out there. Well, he's crushing it. He's crushing it for sure. I would love to have him on this show. Um, It's a lot harder than you think, folks. We've had many requests to get Eddie on this show. But anyways, I wanted to bring Eddie up eventually because he's talked about how he parents his son. And I think that's a really important topic that the people on this show, my family thinks I'm crazy show. Uh, we get into talking about families and, and whatnot. And you have two beautiful daughters, twin daughters that were born uh, around the time that zero started. Right. And this was a big yeah. part of why zero even started to begin with because zero is the reason right? why, I mean, Ninja my kids are the, are the reason why zero was created because you know, we had this show called Comedy Chaos, and it was, you know, it's very weird, and I say this all the time, and I'm waiting for people to give me shit about it, but it's very weird to say you had the number one thing on planet Earth mm. and can say it with all, like, with honesty, because it's true, and that was Comedy Chaos. We were the number one showcase show on planet Earth. That meant... You didn't go see one comic. You saw a lineup of like six or seven doing 15 minutes or whatever the, the 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 amount of time each set was. And we were the number one show at the number one comedy club. We were selling more tickets than anybody else. And we were selling more booze than everybody else. And basically the booze thing is the real number when it comes to the comedy club. And we were dominating in that. So we had the number one show on planet earth, which is such a crazy thing to say. And people were flying in from all over the world to do the show. And so when that, when COVID came and just annihilated that, uh, I had to figure out a new way to make money. And like Rockfin had been just really on me to start a new show. And at the time I, you know, Tim Paul Hat was very, still not new, but it wasn't what it is right now. And the crowd was still growing with me and the early Tim fall hats. People had very little patience for spiritual talk. They wanted to get right to the deep States and the lizard people and the pizza gates and all that stuff. That's what they wanted to hear about. And I understand that, but I would do these spiritual shows with like Von Galt and all these other people. And my numbers would just plummet, but they, those, those episodes resonated with me. So I'm like, I really need to do it. So they were they were begging me, begging me to do show on Rockfin. So I'm like, okay, man, I don't really have time to do another show, but I really do need money because, you know, I got two kids. I just got two kids. I got to take care of these kids. So I'm like, how about I do, how about I do a spiritual podcast? Now, hand to God, I felt very uncomfortable with putting a spiritual show behind a paywall. But I knew at one point, I would get to a point once my deal with them was done 
that I would put old episodes out for free. So that was the goal. Get through my deal with them and then put out free episodes. And say, so that's where we're at. Can I say you, you underestimate yourself and the value you bring to people. And I think in this world of content creating, uh, the listeners should, you know, feel obligated and to some extent to share value back towards you, you know, and sometimes that has to be energetically with comments, positive comments or, or messages. And other times it's financially. So there's no shame in that. And I only brought that up and I appreciate you explaining, but I brought that up because, you know, Eddie's talked about how he wants to, you know, blue pill, blue pill, blue pill, his son until he's ready for the red pill, so to speak, for lack of a better phrase. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you feel about that? <clears throat> knowing everything you know about spirituality and conspiracy as a new father, are you excited to eventually fill your daughters in on this kind of information and sort of guide their way? Or are you going to leave some of the like crazier stuff out of the picture and just be there as a, a sort of motivation to them and, and, and focus more on the things that you talk about on zero? Uh, if you're asking me, I do believe that I will be more the way of zero than Tim Fall Hat. I think there will be a discussion about, you know, my dad, my dad, uh, you know, was a real runner and gunner. You know, I feel like he had to live a life that maybe he didn't want to. I think my father was a lot, you know, born around now. He wouldn't have gotten married when he did. I don't think he just wanted to, but it was kind of society at the time. And I don't think he was ever very comfortable with that whole part. But, you know, he did teach me one thing that stuck with me very early. And that was believe nothing what you hear and half of what you see. And that I remember when he told me that resonated with me. But I will probably give my daughters that advice. But I will, I will give them advice into the spiritual realm of what I've learned along the lines of there's no reality. It's only mental, you know. And that's why we'll do, you know, how to deal with school, how to deal with teachers, how to deal with authority, how to do all that, how to play the game. What is the law? What is the law of the universe? Not the law of man, but the universe. What is the law? You and I talking here, there's a law, you know, those things. And, you know, if they listen to it, they listen to it. I hope they would, you know. I mean, I'm very excited to see how these girls turn out. You know, however they turn out, I will love them, uh, you know. They have two crazy people for parents, but I think, you know, that will equal some exciting people. You know, my, my one daughter's already really good with electronics. My other daughter is just a juggernaut and I love them very much. And, you know, there are moments where I'm like, these kids just don't want to listen to their old man. They're only two, mm. but you know, like this is the, what's the game, man. Right. And so I will move towards spirituality more than conspiracy because like I've always said, conspiracy always leads to spirituality. And if you could somehow jump to that and get understand that, it's much easier to look at these things and understand why they're happening and, and be able to unplug from their, their psychological effects. Well said. Yeah, and that's a really important topic for a lot of people, especially considering all the guests that you've spoken to who have talked about the education system and how corrupted it's become and and people maybe thinking about homeschooling and other ideas like that which could lead to having a more uh, well-rounded 
impact on a person's upbringing rather than the uh, strange, you know, subset of things that they focus on. It seems like in school they focus a lot on, at least this was my impression, military history rather than history itself. And, and given all the alternative history conversations you've had lately, I mean, does it make you think twice? I know you said you're, you know, flunking first grade and all that, and we've heard you talk about that at length, but I mean, have you ever been curious before tinfoil hat about something like a lost civilization? Had that ever crossed your mind before you got into this stuff? Nope. None of it. I don't know why. I just, it was never ever pointed out that this, you know, when we have Matt LaCroix on, that becomes a big thing that the storylines don't match up. And regardless of what you believe in Anunnaki and all that stuff, you know, Eddie, Eddie named his, basically his jujitsu school after, you know, the Anunnaki planet. Mm, uh, now he doesn't think it's, it's real. Uh, I, I think, I think our history is way more rich, way more interesting, way more complex. And they want us to know, they want us to think we came from fucking cavemen with spears. I don't know if any of that's real. That could all be bullshit too. And that's all I got. I mean, like, so I think what I think we've been very advanced and there's been a war with, with darkness, you know, and uh, the darkness has taken time and created chaos here and, and flipped a lot of shit. And that's why I kind of believe in, but no, I didn't hear, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And, and one thing I'll say about your show and people may not have noticed this, but I noticed this, and I think it's still true. If you go far enough back in the Tinfoil Hat RSS feed, you could see all the shows Sam did prior to Tinfoil Hat. And I think what's so cool about uh, knowing you, and, and especially for your daughters, I mean, there is like a, a literal, like huge time capsule capturing your evolution as a person, Sam. And I think that's such a unique thing that not a lot of people can say is like, we've seen as the listeners of your show and as a fan of your style of comedy and, and who you are, you know, it, it's really cool to see how you've evolved, you know, from, I mean, even the first 10 episodes of tinfoil hat to the 200th episode to the 500th episode to, you know, now we're almost at the 200th episode of zero. Right. So it's like, you definitely have integrated a lot of this stuff into your life. Have you seen the results of, of this integration of knowledge in, in oh, your yeah, life over the sure. past few years? You know, man, you know, if you go back, you you watch uh, my old sports show, which I do occasionally, which is Punch Drunk Sports. And there's a Sam on there that is like cringy. You know, I admit it, it's a little cringy. But I needed that guy at that time to survive because things weren't going very well for me, uh, spiritually and financially, career-wise. And I had to, I had, I needed that guy to keep fighting for me because things weren't working out and there weren't a lot of options at that point. And some of the options were very dark and uh, without that guy I might not be here right now. So the growth is real. And, you know, a lot of things have happened since the beginning of Tim Fall Hat and the growth of the acceptance, the love. I used to watch people at come and, in comedy in LA go from like unknown comic with this kind of what I call day shift stripper look in their eyes when they know that, you know, 
things aren't working out the way they thought it was going to, and they had panic. And then kind of suddenly things started working for them, and you saw that kind of wash away from their eyes, and the stillness and this happiness comes in. And that's kind of life in L.A. It's kind of like you're in a you're in a giant body of water, and you're barely holding on, staying above water, and you're kind of just floating. And you never know when you could go under and then somebody, when things start to work out, just kind of lifts their hands out and you see this calm come over people. So I I had a lot of people blowing up around me that I used to open for me. And I just, I never ever wanted anyone not to do well. I always wanted people to succeed and crush. I just wanted to be able to be a part of that and have my own success and So like you see this kind of thing start to hit, which is a blessing that came out of nowhere that if, if, if me and this one guy had never gotten a fight, would Tim Paul have ever happened? I don't know. So I think everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, I was on drugs then to numb kind of the unhappiness in my life. And now that I've kind of gone through this thing where I had children during this pandemic and, you know, I got pushed into doing, zoom meetings for aa and so i didn't have any more excuses so i in that so zero's happening i'm hearing all the spiritual stuff i'm going to these zoom aa meetings and i'm hearing a lot of that from the aa sobriety perspective and you know no more no more excuses and things just kind of change and i couldn't be happier and it, it just takes time everyone needs to know that man i started stand-up comedy when i was 22 years old i didn't start making like Money where I didn't have to worry about it. Not that I'm like, fuck you money at all. I mean, I'm constantly like, dude, what the fuck is going on with my money, man? You know, but I am now like at a place where it's like, I'm not living check to check. I have a little tiny savings and I've been able to take care of those around me that I love. And that was until I was 43 years old. So, And a lot of people, I'm sure fans of yours, you know, people out there, have these midlife crises and in a funny way, you I mean your life was sort of a crisis and in midlife you ste- steered the ship back in on course and, and you've done a lot of really great things uh, in your midlife, which, you know, the system and the oppression of, of not living your full spiritual expression, most people, they just go in into the Saturnian work schedule and, and then they realize it 40, 50 years into their life. Oh my God, what have I been spending my life doing? Yes. Whereas, you know, you, you, you're kind of like at a point where you see it, you know, you're having a midlife enlightenment. That's what I call it. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a belief that the more options you have in life, the less happy you are. And, uh, I was blessed to know I wanted to be a stand up comic since the moment I knew I existed in the universe. When I have this moment where I am, I am something. Uh, the next thought, like I'm, I am an entity is my first thought. My second thought is, and I want to make people laugh is my second thought. And well, and, and I should have, I should correct myself. Your, your life wasn't a crisis up until a few years no, ago. No, but it I mean, was a crisis extent. because it was drugs. It was alcohol. It was sex. Well, it was all, were, all you low like frequency that. shit. Right. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I shouldn't be so rude. Uh, I do the same guest. thing. It's all right. I know you're, you know, it's okay. No, it's you know, okay. Who am I to judge anybody's interviewing skills, but uh, you're doing great. But so for me, dude, I was, like I say this all the time, I was trying to set a high score and nobody else was playing. Mm. 
And because I thought that was what mattered because that was pushed on me, the rock and roll and all that stuff and, you know, banging everything that moves and all that stuff. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't change anything, you know, even if I didn't know that this where we are right now was or wasn't going to happen. I wouldn't have changed anything because it was very important to me at that time. Uh, And recently found uh, you saying something that really, I mean, every time you talk about Ghost and Ninja, it, it touches my heart because you're a great father. Uh, and But you talked about something that really hit me because I've always thought about this and I didn't think to tell you, and not that I should take credit at all, but I'm glad that this concept made its way into your world, the world of the Hayoka. And you, you are that in a way. I mean, it's a sacred clown. It's somebody who goes through the, the lower spectrums of life and, and shows it to people in a way that uh, is vulnerable and powerful and courageous and important for people's evolution in their own lives. Because not everyone's made to be a, a sacred clown or a Hayoka. And I think you, you've played that role. Uh, and I think, I forget if it was on Instagram or something where you, you posted something about it. Uh, but either way, when I saw yeah, him, I was um, like, wow, Sam, Sam really... Matt Belair called me that. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Belair has been a big part of my spiritual awakening as well. Mm. So I uh, 100% appreciate him and what he's he's done for me as well. Uh, yeah, man, that Hayoka situation, right? That um, That is why we're seeing censorship so much into stand-up comedy why they're sending people to swing on people um you know why they're trying to shut down our youtube channels because we don't need money to do our art and that is scary everything else kind of needs money you got to get somebody to produce your record you got to have somebody put up the money to make your film And, and once you get in this place where you don't need that anymore then you become dangerous right and they don't like that. They want to be able to control the purse strings. Yeah, is it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Comedy and podcasting. I mean, there's a low uh, threshold to get it into it. You know, obviously, people who practice and put art into it and really hone their skills, they stand out. But yeah, they, I mean, you don't need anything more than a microphone uh, for both. You know, and and it's incredibly powerful because. For most of human history, we learned everything through the spoken word. And it's only been since the Gutenberg press that, you know, like words have been on print. So that's only 400 years. So what you're doing. No, I'm with you, dude. I think we're going back to spoken, spoken word. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, some of the, some of the early remnants of this in our history are from radio and there are really interesting shows on the radio, but. I've heard you talk about Art Bell. You did a whole show on Art Bell when he passed away, sadly. But did you listen to Coast to Coast at all? Not a lot, dude. No, it didn't I make didn't. an impact on you when you were younger. I, I, I do. I'm telling you, man. I, I lived, grew up in a small town. Mm. Like radio was just like it was just a local one local radio station. Wasn't a lot now, going on. Let me ask you this: If you could legalize mushrooms and give them out to the people of Cortland, New York, would you? Uh, yeah, I would. I think, think it's it important. Would help I wish I could. I, I would love that. I would love, I think everyone should do some mushrooms. I, I do get a little nervous at what micro dosing is doing, uh, why it's everywhere. 
Uh, you know, it's like I just get nervous when something just shows up everywhere all the time like and the elites are pushing it out. Yeah, all of it. You're like, why is this happening? Why is this being allowed to happen? Right. What is the, you know, and I, you know, I have shows where I give away so much fucking weed, dude. So much weed. And I've never received any of it. What the well, hell? Well, you haven't been out here, bro. You should be out here. I need to go to California. It's about time. Yeah, you should, dude. You really should. And um, so, you know, it's just like the fact that weed's everywhere. Why'd they leave weed stores open during the pandemic? I just, these are just things that I have to question why why they happen. Now, I, I, I have zero problems with weed. I don't think anyone should be in jail for weed. I think you should be able to smoke weed. But the question is, why is it everywhere? And what are they doing these super duper duper like, you know, science lab marijuana strains right. like you got to start wondering like you know well it's the same thing with your food you have to know your grower i know my grower and sometimes when i buy weed so that makes me feel good other times i can't buy from him but you know that's just the black market and the going underneath the the system i used to work at a farmer's market where i would trade bread which is a you know time sensitive commodity and we would trade it after the market was over with everybody and i would come home with an abundance of of food and that's the economy that we've been uh you know it's been hidden from us and that's what people should be interacting with and that's sort of a different conversation from the point you were making but i know as a sober person you you do say that about mushrooms and i'm i'm interested in in that experience uh, that you had on mushrooms. Cause I know recently on your uh, Joe Rogan appearance, you brought that up and you said, oh yeah, I, I wouldn't rule out the possibility of me doing mushrooms one day. And I think that's pretty cool that as somebody who's sober, you're, you're still. Yeah. 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 I mean, dude, that's a whole part of the 12 steps. Like Bill W wanted to do acid, you know, and what that represents. And, you know, Bob Sag had a joke about, you know, it's not drugs unless you're, you're willing to suck dick for it. And uh, which I, I didn't know that when I made the joke about shrooms, but that's kind of my whole thing. I don't I don't think you can get addicted to them and what they do. I do believe that anything done too much is detrimental to you. But I really do believe that they open your mind and change my mind. Of course, change my life and how I operate and. You know, you you hooked me up with a cat named Birch Driver, and he's been uh every time I have a conversation, the first every time I have a conversation with him, I learn so much and it kind of changes the way I look at the world, which is kind of crazy because the first time we had a show, it I I think neither of us were happy with how it went, and it just two guys with different energies, uh, and it just didn't click. But the second time it came on, uh, it was just mind blowing. And change the way I operated, you know, um, uh, you know, like, uh, um, and you're making a really good point about the law of polarity in a way. Cause I've had this experience way before I ever did a podcast with friends where I was very polarized certain people when first meeting them. And then those people became my best friends, you know, people I immediate at, at first impression, I disliked them for whatever reason. And then they became meaningful people to me have you experienced that with more than just that one incident 
Yeah, man. Well, you hit hit it off kind of weird at first, and then later on, you become the really close friends. Yeah, for sure. Right. I used to do that, and it's gone the other way too, where I was really good friends with people, and then we kind of stopped talking, and that's life as well. And I don't know, man. It's it's really into this frequency shit. Like, what is your vibration? You vibrate with people. You wanna you wanna you want to meet higher ups at your bill uh, your job you want to you know rub elbows with a different you know class of people i hate saying that but like maybe there's people you would like to get into their inner circle with mm. uh, for like business opportunities figure out their vibration and get on that vibration you know it's a great example of that golfing how many people do golf so they could take people on you know a business you know, a, a, a business activity where they could take a guy they want to, you know, make a business deal with, have them golf, put a couple drinks in them and then talk business. And all of a sudden they're clicking. That's all that is. It's the same thing, but you should do that with life. You should change. If you're not, listen, man, everything is about, if you want change, you got to make change, dude. That's it. If you want change, you got to make change. That's it. And if it. you don't, you're never going to make any change in your life unless you start figuring out, start asking yourself some real hard questions. And that is, what do I really want in the world? What do you, what do you, what do you think you want? And what do you feel you really want? Because those may not be the same thing. Right. Brilliant. And yeah, I mean, people can find a lot of that and more on Zero. It's a great show. Sam gets into a lot of these concepts, but really quick, Bob Saget came up. What do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts on on his recent passing? Did you know he ever meet him? At weird, bro. It's definitely weird. It's definitely weird. Right. This is, he's not the only comedian to pass away under weird circumstances. I I, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know if it, if it's if it's anything like that, but I mean, I know he had a heart issues and his heart was uh you know really clogged and i'm not trying to say anything negative about the guy but you know something happened in their hotel room that doesn't make sense to me yeah yeah no and you know we don't need to end on a, a dark note i know we uh don't have that much more time but there was a point in time where you talk about the comedy scene uh, being possibly infiltrated, and there was a comedian named Fang Dang who might have been a, a Fang spy. Chow. Fang Chow. I'm thinking and of the guy who ratted Britney? out Tony Hinchcliffe. I'm sorry, Fang Chow. Fang Chow, White Trash Britney, two Chinese comics that never really hung out the store at the same time. When one would leave, the other one would show up, and then when that one left, the other one would show up, and. I believe the FBI has infiltrated uh, the comedy scene. Why wouldn't? In particular, the comedy store. Uh, the comedy store was the mecca of stand-up comedy and comedy podcasts, well, I, which were dominating everybody. It was yeah. very much and still is a West Coast game uh, outside of like Legion of Skanks and their network, Gas Digital. It's mostly West Coast are the big ones. Uh, Andrew Schultz, of course, who's Matt and Shane Secret it. Podcast. Got to give them a shout out. But yeah, 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 no, yeah, I hear yeah, you. Yeah. It's it's definitely. But even that, even that, that that blows up off of 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 doing Rogan, mm. right? And Rogan is a West Coast podcast, 
And Shane Gillis, like when he when that shit went down at um uh, at Saturday Night Live, I put out a giant episode defending that guy and and destroying all the bullshit that came along with that. And uh, but yeah, that's all that that's still like Ari Shafir. I always called Ari Shafir the coyote to the Joe Rogan experience, right? Like he was just getting these guys on all the time, Mark Norman, you know, Shane Gillis, the Legion of Skanks guys. And that's great because that's what makes Ari great is that he wants to help others sometimes, and um, which is great. Well, so, he's a big proponent of uh, mushrooms too. Uh, it's very interesting in that way. But yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't even have to uh, explain to people. I'm sure anyone listening to podcasts knows the impression that Joe Rogan's left, but it is interesting. But, 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 but just to finish the thought we had before, you can't convince me that there wasn't, you know, uh, FBI informants. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, considering all the other fields of artistic expression that were infiltrated, I mean, all the uh, political movements that were infiltrated by COINTELPRO, which you and I yeah. have done an episode about uh, in the past. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 definitely suspicious. There are some comics, like I said, who seem to have been manipulated. And, and George Carlin, Bill Hicks, I mean, some of there's many comics that have been very uh, against the grain in a way that uh, juxtaposes the mainstream programming which is literally television programming that's been going on since the 1950s, man. And, and that's why I'm so grateful to know you and be a part of uh, Tinfoil Hat in the way that I am, because your show is bringing truth to the people in a way that wasn't possible only 10 or 20 years ago. Right. And, and I think that's really a powerful thing. You know, they, it's not just people in the United States, it's people all over the world. I'm sure you all see it. All over the world, dude. You're and number it's one. amazing in, to see. You're number and one in Turks and Caicos for broken simulation. Number one, I don't even know what that is, where that is, and I'm dominating that place. <laughs> and the biggest thing is this, dude. I love seeing new podcasts. I love seeing new, you know, conspiracy podcasts. And I love giving them chances on my show because they can't get all of us. And we're definitely going some interesting times. And... Again, dude, like all this shit going on with the FBI, they're trying really hard to label us domestic terrorists. I don't think it's mm -hmm. working. And, you know, I don't know how much longer you want to go, but I just wind on this. And I must say this, and it's it's very, un, very, it's not a natural thing for me to say, but with all, with God, all things possible. And the truth of the matter is, is like these guys aren't above the law of the universe. Mm. Okay. There's specs of shit. They are down here in the lowest lowest level of existence, which is this karma world that we live in. So they aren't bigger. They aren't even top dog. They're not even close, man. They're specs of shit. And they think they're gonna run stuff and lock stuff. And no, dude, they're never gonna do it. they're ants. They're never gonna do anything like that. And they took their shot. And I just don't think it's going to work. And people are waking up more and more to what happened. And people are seeing it more and more. And, you know, it's not a Democrat thing. It's a George Bush death cult, fucking secret society, globalist, scumbag, Satan, dark arts, cabal 
that is being exposed for what they are right now. And you can sit there and say there's, you know, there's no there's no consequences to their actions, no punishment. But, you know, they may die peacefully, but they're all coming back blowing donkeys in Tijuana and their kids are all garbage. And there's a reason for that because right. the energy you put out is the energy you get back and it may not be instant. Karma may be tomorrow, could be the next second, or it could be years and decades later, but it comes and it gets you. And that's why you want to walk the earth. And tr there's only one sin in my humble opinion. And that is, did you bring pain and suffering to other people? Mm. Yeah. Violating other people's free will is never going to, do any good for anyone what you put out comes back to you threefold and yeah i think that's a hell of an empowering statement sam and that's why i love tinfoil hat so much man because it's never a doom and gloom conclusion you know there's this message of empowerment that stays with you and uh, i think that's worth praising and uh, you deserve all that and it's been a pleasure talking to you i have one last fun question to end on here all right fun questions <laughs> fucking fun what are you what are you curious about that maybe you think we haven't talked about on or you guys haven't talked about on tinfoil hat yet because as the booker of the show it's my prerogative to bring you what you're looking for so is there any conspiracies that you've heard that you've learned about that you just haven't gotten to go into yet with a guest i mean i heard something about spontaneous combustion and I don't know if you learned much about that, but I think we got to do a show on spontaneous combustion. I mean, I'm down with all that stuff. Like, I really want to get more into uh, mysteries. You know, that's why I want to get into. I want. I mean, here's the whole thing, dude. We've done so many shows on the Cabal, all that stuff, and they're great. But I just want to give people constantly a stream of new, new topics, new the new guests, new everything like that, so that they're constantly don't, it's like Christmas. What is in the package every time they see a new tinfoil hat episode came And The beauty of the podcast is that people have, uh, that it has resonated with people to the point that they're not doing podcasts. So there are a lot of conspiracy podcasts. So I just want to stay, you know, I just want to be more, uh, you know, an OG and uh, be putting out stuff that maybe everybody else isn't putting out. Not that I'm in competition with anybody. I've never been like that. That's a big thing I take pride in that I kind of brought to the, the conspiracy community is let's work together. We're stronger together than apart. I think when I came in there, they had a very much a boxing mentality of uh, I'm going to get mine and I, we're in competition, which is, I never fe ever feel like Tim Paul hats in competition with everybody. That doesn't mean we're the biggest because we are not. Uh, that just means that we're on our own path and what anyone else is doing uh, is, ha has no effect on us. And that's kind of where we operate from. And, you know, I like helping people. I like giving, you know, I always bring up the human vibration. She is like one of the people I found that had very little, a very, very small following on Twitter and I had her on and it was a great, great conversation. She's gone on to be kind of a, a, a name in the, in the truth community. And, uh, and that's kind of what I like to do because, you know, you got to lift people up. I do it in comedy. Now I'm trying to get all my friends who are, who are edgier comedians, helping them get stage time, you know, which is kind of a, one of the 
one of I believe the 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 effects of the naughty show, both the live and the podcast, was that um was that it allowed dirty, edgy comedy to find a way to make money. Now it was like myself, Joe Rogan, Death Squad, Legion of Skanks, Gas Digital, you know, all these guys uh were kind of we we were you know, R. Shafir, obviously, as well, uh, creating uh, an ecosystem in which raw and real could thrive. And like, to me, that will be hopefully when the story is told about the earlier days of podcasting, depending on who will tell it, will be uh, hopefully that group of people will be included as allowing, you know, people to be themselves on and, and and put out a product that represents how they feel and how most people feel. And I would tell you that, you know, the edgier comics, the edgier shows tend to be more blue collar. And uh, that's a lot of, that's a lot of this country. So, you know, that's kind of the journey that we've been on and it's a, it's a real blessing. So uh, I'm very happy. There's a lot that I get told all the time. Hey dude, you inspired me to start my own podcast. It's great. Uh, do it for fun. Try to make money. There's a lot of money in it. You just got to hustle mm. and it's not going to happen overnight. Very few can say that they are in the top 0.05% of all podcasts in the world. And Sam Tripoli, I don't know if you knew that, but that is a fact. Uh, Sam, it's been a pleasure talking to you, brother. As always, every time I can have a conversation with you it's a true pleasure we've done 28 podcasts together now 28 brother <laughs> which is crazy and uh and yeah one last question you're on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast i think i know the answer already but does your family think you're crazy sam oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> Real but simple. they're also happy because they thought a lot of people thought i was just gonna pump gas so and nothing against people pump gas a job is a job and i respect your grind but that's what was expected of me. But yeah, during the whole COVID thing, I was the black sheep. Mm, I hear you. My whole city, dude, right. of up where I grew up, was like not happy with me. <laughs> well, they would town, tell my mother yeah, that. Word travels fast. <laughs> it's crazy, dog. Wow. Well, shout out to Cortland County. Shout out to everyone in New York. If you're in the New York, Connecticut, Vermont area, go see Sam Tripoli September 30th in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York. Howie Dewey will be there. I'm going to try to get there if I can drive there. And uh, yeah, I hope you, wherever you are listening, have a great moment wherever you are in the now. And we hope to see you in Saratoga Springs on September 30th. We've also got a show coming up real soon. Maybe this episode will be out by then, but you'll be at the three clubs Los yeah. Angeles on I just added a uh, show at Di De Diana. Oh yeah, De Florida. Deanna, the Florida. Deanna, yeah, Deanna Beach. Florida. Yeah, Deanna Beach, Florida, August twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Right on. Daniel, whatever. Right on. All right. All right. You're the best, buddy. You out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? I don't know who you think I am, but you're wrong. You're wrong. Who you think I who you think I am, but you're wrong. You're wrong. Ladies and gentlemen.
KYG, coming on the air to bring you essential news. First, a bulletin from the police department. Keep your doors locked and prepare to protect yourselves if necessary with any weapons you may have. The majority of the police force has been assigned to the crowded highways outside this deserted city. And citizens remaining in New York may have to protect themselves from the cranks and looters known to be roaming the streets. From the Weather Bureau, the temperature stood at 110 degrees at 11 o'clock this morning. Humidity, 91%. Forecast for tomorrow. Forecast for tomorrow. Hot. More of the same, only hotter. I don't care. Who are they kidding with this weather report stuff? Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow you can fry eggs on sidewalks. Heat up soup in the ocean and get help from wandering maniacs if you choose. What do you mean, panic? Who's left to panic? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm told that my departing from the script might panic you, and let me alone. Do you hear me? Let me alone. Let go of me. Will you please try again, operator? I know there's a phone there. Jerry. You're wrong, operator. Please connect me with your supervisor. What are you doing? Jerry, I want to talk to you in your dressing room. You're not well. I'm getting out of here. Home. Jerry, you're on the edge. Jerry? Oh, it's okay, Marty. It's okay. Just a little gag. All right, we'll try it again, shall we, Jerry? We'll pick it up from the phone call. You're phoning your wife to tell her to meet you downtown at 3.15, right? What are you talking about? Where am I? What is this, some kind of a joke or something? Thank you.
here we are with the next segment of episode 200 of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Open your eyes, for we've arrived in a place and time aligned with the elements united and combined, a needing place for all nations and all minds, all peoples from all corners who met at the Susquehanna River. As I aligned to the river's tide, I met a mystic who resides on the baseline, the king of the gypsies himself, Michael Wan, who's adopted me into his troop of awakened pawns, ascending past the chessboard that is our society. It's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. So join Mike and I as we wade deeper into the apocalyptic deluge that has flooded the collective consciousness a spiral awakening to counteract the viral forsakening, or handbook for the apocalypse.
high school sports practices. They both play soccer. And so, like, that's, I'm helping driving them there. And so we're, we're talking a lot in the car. And for whatever reason, oh, it was when you heard me because you were on the phone. I, I called you when I was driving them yesterday. So as soon as we got off the phone with you, I was telling them about your Kung Fu movie. <laughs> because okay. I think you made it like you were kind of close at their age, right? Like your high school. Yeah, it was, it was the last thing I did after, before I graduated high school was that project. <laughs> so, like, I mean, they're, uh, uh, they're one just entering high school, the other's a junior, but they're in that, like, age range. So they just heard your voice. I was, like, kind of telling them. I was, like, you know, like, painting a picture, like a, a snapshot to give them context of the conversation. And then, like, as soon as I did that, like, they were picturing whatever, like, you as, like, an adult or something like that, um... I was like, oh, I know there's something which you guys would love, and I know their style of like, like of, of what they like to watch, and I know that would be something they would like to watch. So if you could send that to me again, and anyone who's listening to this, I suggest they watch it <laughs> as well because it's that good. Like because you want to watch this, and you know that it's high school Mark, but we know Mark as he is right now, and so we get like a little bit of. Um, I don't even know what you would call that, a, a reverse foreshadowing. I find that a lot of fun. Mm. And I think my boys will find it highly entertaining because it's a great, it was a great, it was a great film. Thank I you. I did watch all of it. It took wow. me like, it, you know I don't watch things often, uh, and um, that was something I did. Well, thanks, Mike. That's a, that's a, <clears throat> that fits really well into what we're recording right now for the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy episode 200, and yeah, it, I will send you the link. I hope you share it with the boys and anyone listening who hasn't already seen Mystic Mark uh, as the Kung Fu champion, that was the character's name, um, go on Rockfin. The video's free. You can watch it on Patreon if you're a subscriber to the Patreon. It's a 15-minute short film that I made when I was in high school. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Mike. I, I always felt like... I flubbed that movie up pretty badly, but, and not because of the actual finished product, but because the last day of school, instead of showing up to school, I was one of the cool kids who said, yeah, we're going to skip the last day of our senior year, <laughs> you know, what are they going to do, how, you know, it's the last day, they can't get us in trouble, right, so this was the, this was the, um, I, I guess it was like a sort of a senior, what's the word? Um, it was done annually, so it's like an unofficial... Like a skip day? Skip day, right. So senior skip day. And there was multiple senior skip days, but the all the coolest kids would skip the last day of school, which, like I said, for me, I kind of regret that because that was the day that we presented our final movie project. So my friends who were in my group presented it without me and I always regretted it because I never got to see the class react and see how they liked my my film and so I mean, then you heard you heard you heard like they would see you like later that day or your friends told you how people reacted or are you suggesting that you literally at this moment in time you still have no idea how people responded to the, the showing of, of the film you, you're kind of right but yeah no I, <laughs> I've, I've never 
I don't have my own experience of people's reaction other than sharing it with them online in the past few months. But yeah, no, I, I did hear a story from my friend Matt who was like, yeah, everybody loved it. Everybody was laughing. But, you know, it would have been great to be there myself and experience that. So that was my one regret. And, and because of that regret, I kept thinking like, well, what can I do? to improve this movie outside of like filming more scenes so i went and put music behind it and that's when um that's when i shared it on rockfin and patreon and with you and and a bunch of other folks so thanks mike that means a lot to me that you uh (laughs) hold it to that high regard well so so let's let's be like 100 percent 100 percent clear here like what i hold to high regard is you mark right so, so like that's the truth between like when you hold someone in high regard, it's like then whatever they touch, you're curious about. Mm. And so it's like, like I'm not, uh, I'm not saying it's like the greatest film or the worst film. I'm saying because it came from you, I want to watch it, and I'm watching it with this higher degree of awareness and understanding than I would than if I just like randomly came across it. Mm, like okay. it's like that is where I think the I think for me at least the real the magnetism because it's funny you said fifteen minutes I was like if I recall correctly it took me three sittings but like I always went back like I, I watched like maybe like four minutes and I had to walk away from it and then I kept coming back I'm like is this really happening and it was like pulling me in and it was like half the time I remember I was laughing like like just laughing about how serious and how well like it was taken to be made but but that's not my point my point really for bringing this up is is kind of like what you just said i had no idea you were going to say it it was 18 year old mark missed out on the feedback the direct feedback from his community of this piece of artwork and so now now it's like you know this is a totally different world and this is a totally different mark and every single person who is listening to this you would not be listening to this until you realize that he has enriched your life, right? I mean, something which has come through this whole, this, this, this one way or the other, the, the, the hands of yours, Mars, Mark. And so it, it, there's a, there's a, a real kind of, of, of appreciation, regardless of how conscious, but I think it's probably pretty conscious with, with all the listeners. So they just heard all of this build up. Like we've been talking about this for like however long we've been recording. And now they're like, you know, they're curious, but now they're kind of like, like, you know, their hearts in it. We like open that up because that's what a relationship, that's where we feel it is. And so it's like, this is the time for you now to get the real world feedback on this piece from like your community, but your community as you are now, mm. not who you were then, but we can see and identify what that linkage is. I find that fantastic. I love the human narrative. So I think this is a real special thing. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to put that in the description and for the podcast purpose, it is sort of an interesting parallel because just like this podcast i planned recorded filmed and acted and starred in the movie myself um every single part of the movie was and i'm not trying to like take credit because my friends were all very grateful that i had the work ethic that i did because they were all just trying to phone it in you know so they were they were trying to phone it in they were grateful that they're like, oh, Mark has a freaking plan. Let's just be on his, in his group, you know? So. And, you're the, and you're the one who doesn't show up. So it's like you put all of this energy into it. And then on the big day, you're like, eh, I ain't going to show up. Yeah, and, you know, I was probably I was probably mildly 
uh, embarrassed that we'd never put movie uh, music in it because that was like I spent so much time filming and editing it that I never got a chance to put music in it and I didn't really have the access to music uh, back right. then that I do now so to, to, to compare it to the podcast that's how I do the podcast now I mean it's it's planned produced edited uh, acted out so to speak uh, by me so yeah, it's it's definitely a good window into my life for people who are are fascinated. Thanks for for highlighting that, Mike. There you go. Well, shoot. This is episode 200 and I wanted to have you a part of it because I know people have heard our story, so to speak, and how you and I first met, episode 25 of this podcast. We met in person a couple times after that and we've been friends ever since and it's been a real pleasure and an honor to have you as my co-host on our show together your handbook for the apocalypse so i thought it'd be only right to include you in this episode 200 uh marathon podcast episode it's it's gonna be eight hours long mike so when i when i got introduced to the world of podcasting like when i was just purely like a listener when like i didn't even know like a podcast was a thing and then i heard it it was um richard groves synchronicity 9 911 mm. so i don't know when this came out like whenever that came out was when i got into podcasting i, I want to say like from the very like first episode somehow i found out and those were 8 hour podcasts so I came into the podcasting world like like I could like after eight hours I was like I can't believe it's over I wish there was another twelve hours to, to be the listener <laughs> uh, and so it's like like I think like this is this is totally like old school throwback sort of podcasting if this is an eight hour podcast yes. hats off. I did the math, and after the editing and whatnot, it should be between seven and eight hours. And I thought to myself, like, geez, can I even, can I even publish that on my podcast host? And and then I thought, well, Richard does it, and to your point, he still does with Grand Theft World. Each episode every Sunday is between seven and eight hours. He was just a guest on the show, so yeah, we'll chalk it up to to Richard being part part of the inspiration for that, but. Wow. Synchronicity 911 so, was the so first it, podcast he checked out. That's interesting. Uh, or, or that's the first one that I remember. That's like that's like when I, that was when um So I want to say it's like 2007 and 8, like 7 and 8 or 7 or 8 like that time frame. Well, and go on. I was going to say really briefly the re- reason why that stuck sticks out to me is because the first time we met, do you remember the book I showed you, the first time we met in person, the book I showed you that I had found on my road trip, like, oh, I just picked this up at a used bookstore? Uh, refresh my memory, please. It was Time and the Technosphere by Jose Arguelles, uh, all about yes. 9-11 synchronicity, so, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's... It's it's interesting, like uh, to to maybe go back there because I have I've 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 been involved in this world of like 
sharing of information and ideas in, I guess what you would call it, like the alternative um, space mm-hmm. since then. Like, you know, at one point I was 100% a consumer and then uh, it almost, it, now it's like completely opposite because I don't listen to anything right now. Like the only thing I ever put out is like, you know, that's 100%. So I've done like a, a 180. So, uh, uh, you know, in the, <laughs> in the circular na- uh, uh, nature of things, who knows? Maybe I'll just go back to listening and stop making things. But, um, but to be able to have seen um, like a, a, full, a, a full cycle, like what feels like a full cycle, and it's been around for a while in terms of like the um, the. It's usually triggered. It's usually triggered by like a major event, like as you said, like that of uh, the nine eleven. But then there were some other, like you know, uh, in twenty twelve, that was when um, up in Connecticut, you know, that school that school event happened, and that was a big event. But you could see like each time, each time that happened, there was a triggering. Um, but there was this also blending, there was a reflecting in on itself as a conspiratorial worldview, a, a, a psychedelic worldview, um, kind of came into, to, to, uh, to, to, to almost mate and to become this like synchromistic, you know, sort of thing, like where it all came from. Like when you go and you watch that and you undoubtedly are, are part of that tradition, you know, and so it's kind of fun to, to go and see, see like all of the different iterations and all of the individuality in which it shows itself. Like just a reflection back of, of the culture which we're in. Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed that out and drew that comparison between like the psychedelic and, uh, did you say conspiratorial? Mm-hmm. So for me, last night I was just speaking with um, Scott Armstrong from the Rebunked podcast. It used to be on the Truthzilla podcast, but he is uh, Oregonian, Oregonian, and as a you know someone who lived in Oregon for a long time, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, to avoid all of the political whatnot hoopla and. I was thinking as we were talking, I brought this up to him, like the blending or the melding of the conspiratorial thought of people that you can maybe say is more of a blue state, and then the conspiratorial thoughts of people who are traditionally from red states, and like the differences between those two world views and ideologies, and how the internet has kind of blended them together, you know, like in red states to generalize the you know conspiratorial thoughts tend to be more religious based they tend to be more you know apocalyptic whereas the the blue states tend to be more activist flavored or 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 civil rights you know and and those different sort of flavors of conspiracy have blended together with this other one, which is psychedelics, or or maybe like the the tune in uh, or tune out dropout crowd, you know, like the the people who consciousness. Are... Maybe consciousness is a better word because psychedelics mm. would fall under would fall underneath consciousness. So yeah, psychedelics and, and, were more like you're aware of like the 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 realm of the mind and the unexplainable and right. all of that sort of stuff, like mysticism and all of that. Yeah, psychedelics are more ancillary than 
consciousness Correct. for sure. Yeah, and then like, but these these waves, these tidal waves of thought, kind of pushing together and becoming one wave. That's what I my thought, my speculation is that's what we're seeing the results of now with and and I I think this is natural but there has been a factionalization of this community where there's certain factions now you know the the Q people and you know uh, the earth shaped people and so there's good sides and there's bad sides to that blending but yeah it is it is interesting am I making a, a point that you can stick on or am I drifting yeah, 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 away yeah, yeah. from no 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 all right uh so um Yes, like it's 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 when you throw they're, they're ripple effects, you know. There's effects, and then you're like, oh, look at that! Didn't see that coming? And they're like, well, that's uncomfortable. So, there, so there's that which which is um, which is going on. Um, what was the other thing? You said something which just it was on the the tip of my mind. And I, oh, this is what I want to say. So you began with with uh, the time in the technosphere. That's kind of how we started this segue, right? Right. And what, I, I can never pronounce the, the author's name. And it's embarrassing. Can you say it for me? Yeah. I've mispronounced it thousands of times. It's Jose Arguelles. 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 Okay, so Jose Arguelles. Like, around that time, like, uh, particularly like 2012, I really, really um, internalized and digested um, uh, 13 moon calendars and all of his work. Like, he spoke to me on a very, very, like, deep fundamental level. Uh, and why, why I bring that up is because right before this conversation, I'm in the process of writing like the introductory pages of this engagement book, which I'm getting ready to roll out. And there's a sentence which, which it's kind of beginning with, and it's, it's saying like, if you're following a calendar system, that uses a month, you know, whether Gregorian or 13-month uh, calendar or moon system. If your first, if the first of your month does not line up with what you see in the sky, well, then it's folly. And there's a truth to that. There's a fundamental truth to that. And I'm saying that. And so this is the point of me telling you this story is I've been sitting with all day. I'm like, I'm kind of going at odds with this, with this idea that I was first introduced to the 13 moon calendar, because now I'm like, okay, I see where that served, but now I'm taking it to a new place. And so maybe tying this back to that original observation of watching the trajectory of what both, uh, you know, there's two things which we're really talking about. We're talking about the nature of relaying information, relaying information through podcasting, where someone is recording and a person is listening to it in whatever that private space is in their earphones. So that's a unique private space. And so it's a very special type of relationship. And then seemingly in this type of whisper relationship, alternative thought is most effectively and freely being shared. And we're seeing this curvature. We're seeing this curvature of like how it's it's kind of like maybe refining itself. Maybe that's a way of thinking it. Like, you know, the Pantina effect of like becoming like more and more, um, less and less friction, less and less friction. Right. An idea. Right, right. Like the, like the river pushing the earth away and making the, the water, you know, slide past it 
easier and easier each time the water gains velocity and then it pushes more earth away and yeah huh and, and so what we're seeing is what began with this eight-hour podcast like you know i'm using uh, i'm talking about myself but like as a as a as a symbolic point but like we can see this industry which 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 you have you have um placed yourself and found yourself in a uh, nodal position, um, how it not only is changing wor- the world layout, but it's also changing upon itself. Like as you were talking about, like the there was once a red state and a blue state conspiratorial um, demarcation, but those have morphed into something. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're you're saying that this is a a good thing or a bad thing, that's irrelevant. This is what's happening, and we're witnessing it. We're seeing it. And so this being your 200th episode is undoubtedly a testament to that. And I think it's kind of cool that it's the 25th, because uh, you and I are on one-eighth sort of uh, intervals in terms of like how we can think of this of, of a cycle in a way. So I, I was like, look at those patterns as well. Yeah, yeah, and those patterns have appeared in the... In the, through the course of the podcast, and I used to notice this as a listener of shows, like, oh, and wonder, like, hmm, d- does the host, like, put any thought to the the number that this episode became, you know, like, the conversation is recorded, and then it, it, it just magically lines up as, you know, 177 or whatever, right? And and for that episode on this podcast, we had Crow Triple Seven, and that wasn't mm. that wasn't planned, but that's happened a, f- a few times where things like that have have appeared. And even myself on other shows, I, I talked about Skull and Bones on Charlie Robinson's podcast, and you you know that their number is 322. Well, that happened to be episode 223 of. Charlie Robinson's podcast so we he did like this cool reverse image of the number 322 like 223 and yeah so there's been there's been some interesting things but with the with the 200 my thought and I wonder what you think about this is that people are more likely to click on an episode like that if they're new to a podcast, they, they're flipping through and it's maybe like something about a, uh, like a strong number, like 200, the fact that it's a milestone episode. But I remember having that instinct when I was a podcast listener, like, oh, let's check out this podcast. What is there here? All right, let's go to episode 100 or let's go to episode 200. So that's my thought. If the listeners are like, why do you care so much about the number of the episode? It's like, well, it's a milestone. So that's why every hundred episodes, we're going to do something special like this. The last episode that was special like this, Tara uh, planned as like a surprise party. And she got you involved and a bunch of other of my friends involved. And that was a lot of fun. But That was a lot of fun. Very spontaneous. This one is far more uh, planned out. I, I I think I've become somewhat of a perfectionist with the podcast. So this one this one's gonna this one's gonna be meticulously put together. A lot of um, a lot of editing. But hey, why talk about that now? Because that's what people are listening to, right? So what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Mile a milestone number. All right, all right. So there are like four or five things 
there are four or five things I want to respond to. And I'll see if I can remember. Let me let me see. So I want to respond to the the, the selecting at two hundred. So um, first thing, me personally, I, I would never watch a um, if I was going to go and look at a potential podcast, I would not use that as my uh, mechanism for what would be the episodes I would try it out with. But I also realize that my natural instincts are not, uh, don't always line up. Like I'm always like, oh, everybody does this. And then now a lot of people like to do it another way. So I don't think I'm a good, a good point of reference for what most people do. And your logic makes a lot of sense to me. So, so that was the first thing. But now I don't remember. You went on to three other different topics. What were the other things that we were talking about? You're saying um, after the, the 200. So there is the synchronicity of the numbers and the 322 thing and how I was on episode 223 talking about Skull and Bones. There's the milestone of episode 200 and, and I guess all of my uh, reasoning is uh, why I, so, I would so, choose so, it. Yeah, yeah so, you're, so you're reasoning. I mean, this is just my opinion. You're the dude who makes the show, so you don't ever have <laughs> to justify why you're doing it. But what is fascinating is when you explain why you're doing it, because like they all do it. It's like you know, like the like the, the Disney does it, right? The, like you go and all all of the programmers are playing on that game, and so there's as soon as you start doing it, for whatever reason, why you're doing that, like you know, there's there's a uh, however, however you, the story changes from when things like that were done in the background, like in the subconscious of the collective. Like now that it's kind of like it, it is going to be obvious that you're doing it, and you're still doing this, these sort of techniques. Like it changes how it affects things. Um, go, and I want to bring that up because it goes back to the idea of this, this, this art form or this, this. It's almost like a, a, a performance art. Like if you think about it, like all of the all of the people who listen to this, this on one level feels very, very intimate, but then on the other level, like this is uh, amazingly disjointed. Like from everything of all the editing you said you're going to do, to like you know the the time and the delivery of when you and I are speaking when someone else is listening to it. Like you know, it's it's kind of um, it's not like watching it 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 live, but that is that is how it's being reflected back in, and it's just becoming smoother and smoother the more we like self reflect upon it. I agree, and I like what you just said because, and this is kind of why I wanted to bring this up with you, Mike, because you, know, you talk a lot about baseline reality and, and connecting with that and, and helping people realize a lot of the stuff that we've taken as fact is, is subjectively overlaid on our environment. So, you know, in all reality, 200 is just the 200th uh, signifier when you're counting. Like, it's, it's in, in one sense, it means nothing. In another sense, like, you, you know and other people know if a show or you know, a radio program hits a 200th episode for whatever reason, it's a cultural thing to celebrate that, right? Just like if somebody has their, you know, 30th birthday or 50th birthday or 80th birthday, right? These are, for whatever reason, you know, they're, they're considered like these milestones. And we would, we would be crazy if we celebrated every 10 episodes, but uh, yeah, 100, every 100 episodes feels like a, 
a good place to to do it because not you know not many podcasts even make it this far 75 percent of all podcasts don't make it past the first year of publishing uh that makes uh that yes like this is a uh a, a unique feat something which you know uh, an accomplishment which you could look back and stand upon like wow you know i feel good i look at what i did mm. because that is not and that's like a combination of a whole bunch of different sort of things and but no small part of it uh or, or what is definitely not a small part of it is is a commitment which you brought to it right yeah. Like these, they didn't. They didn't make themselves. You were like, "All right, week after week, I'm going to keep on doing this." Right. Well, week after week, and and day after day, we do we do our show once a week, and I do two shows a week for for my podcast. Sometimes three, depending on the bonus content. And yeah, it's definitely a lot to to keep up with, but it's it's fun and part of the the other layer of like what is episode 200 all about is I'm taking people through my podcast history, so to speak. The episode starts with Sam Tripoli, my foray into this world, the person who, you know, gave me an opportunity in a very big way. And then they're hearing this. They're hearing me talk to you, Mike, because you're the second person in, in my journey that came along in a significant way. Um, and, as this episode goes on, people will sort of see like a microcosm of huh. of the my journey through podcasting, and also they'll they'll be able to see like, oh, okay, he works for Sam. He does this podcast with Mike Juan. He does this other podcast with Roman, his girlfriend Tara, and Chad, and he does this other podcast, you know, so on and so forth. And speaking of that podcast, Esoteric America. What do you think of, of that show? Because I, I want to have you on at some point, but have you gotten a chance to take a look at it? I know you're a, a busy guy. I don't blame you if you haven't, but what are your thoughts on that? Uh, as I said, like I trust your opinion. So if you say that it's good, well, then it's good. And I show, I show up everywhere exactly the same way. So, so the... Short answer to your question. It sounds like there are two questions in there. I am not familiar with the work other than what we talked about. I think I saw an image and I was intrigued by it. But uh, I haven't checked out anything. All right. Well, we gotta I don't have... check out anything, though. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, we got to have you on because I think you'd enjoy the format of the of the show. But either way. That's what I'm, that's what I'm ultimately a fan of is, like, all of these different formats and all of these ways which, like, this is being explored. So definitely, I, I, I would like to be a part of that. I mean, I think it's, I think it's fun. And I think, I think that as I've been hopefully, like, illustrating this conversation is it has, there's something, you know, quote-unquote magical that happens in this sphere. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it, like, like, like change and morph and become become like a, a like a different version of how it began and then we could realize that's continuing and then we could realize it's happening in real time right on well right on i think we ought to continue this episode 
as an episode of your handbook for the apocalypse. So people who are here on the Susquehanna Alchemy feed listening to this first part, um, hello, welcome. I do another show called My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. You're probably aware of it. Um, and for people listening on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy feed, if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, go over to Susquehanna Alchemy in your podcast app and subscribe. You'll find this show, you'll find Mike's podcast that he does and YouTube show that he does with Ross Ben. It's titled From the 40th Parallel. And you also find some content that Mike has regularly on his YouTube that we've transformed into an audio podcast for people who maybe are on the road or just don't have the patience for the YouTube app. So <laughs> go over and subscribe on Susquehanna Alchemy. And uh, as for the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy 200th episode, we are going to go to our next segment, our next caller. Mike, thank you so much. Edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. Army officers say the missile, found sometime last week, has been inspected at Roswell, New Mexico, and sent to Wright Field, Ohio, for further inspection. I know over the past 30 or so episodes, we have 
gained a bunch of new listeners and i appreciate every single one of you really it was like the past 50 episodes ever since we had david ike on the show uh the show really uh took off you know a lot of people was found it with david ike because people just search him out you know and I, i'm not sure i can't i've never accessed iconic.com so i don't know if david shared it on his end with his website presence and whatnot but uh but ever since then brother you know the show's really taken off and you know some of those newer listeners maybe they haven't gotten a chance to go back to the early days yet maybe they aren't aware of the other podcasts i've been on but you and i we've been quite you know prolific in the sense that we've both started our podcasts we've both stuck with it We've both grown our shows. You obviously have a co-host. Shout out to Dan, who's also been a guest on this show. Um, And you're expanding every month, every day. I mean, every month you do a new topic, but every day your, your ideas for what you're doing expand. And to me, it's inspiring to have a friend like you in this space because, you know, we can't do this alone, even though... For a while, we weren't working on a podcast together, just here and there. Now, we have the opportunity to create a beauty of a podcast. Really, the podcast that I'm most proud of, because, and I think you can relate to this in a heavy way, but the idea of exploring a new place, whether it's you take a flight, you take a road trip, even you just take a walk, you know, it's just so exciting. And we get to do that each episode with a new person and find out fun stuff about their area in our new podcast, Esoteric America. But before we get to that, I've already talked a lot. Let's recount for people who don't know how you and I synchronistically first linked up, or at least maybe what we realized happened after we linked up that was just so synchronistic oh, oh baby what a romantic story it is it's romantic and we and we're, we're, this is coast to coast right here you you thought art bell was coast to coast no me and the homie no. Romy are coast to coast i'm the east coast connection he's the west coast connection he's also got that hawaii connection going on so we're, we're crossing a lot of territory with this inner with this conversation here Interplanetary, intergalactic, uh, intergalactic, planetary, intergalactic, intergalactic. Son, you can't come at me with East Coast shit and expect me not to know. (laughs) Oh, y'all know none about no Mac Dre though. That that is true. I've only heard one or two songs from Mac Dre, but I, I, he's he's crossed the. He's crossed the continent as well. But either way, we connected. Oh, yes. We connected yes. how? Do you want to take it away? But, oh, let me let me tell the story, okay? Because Mark always forgets the juicy details. Let me tell you guys the juicy juice, all right? It was a Wednesday evening. I just spilled juice all over my kitchen cabinet, and I went to go pick it up. I slipped. I broke my fucking back. Right. I always Terrible forget day. part. He always forgets this. And I went to the hospital, oh, and I'm sitting guy. there, 
My back's broken. I'm eating corn dogs. I got stuff in my shoes. I got strange keys oozing out of my armpits. I don't even know what's going on. So I get on the phone and I call up Greg Cowwood from the ISI chat. Cowwood. Tell him. I tell Cowwood like this. Listen. Listen. I told him. Hey, fuck NASA. Fuck the space programs. And fuck Elon Musk. Okay? Fuck all them transhumanist sons of bitches. I want to start a podcast. And, um... And then, then it did happen. There was a couple crazy people who had responded to me. One of them was a crazy cat lady that, uh... That I was like, dear sweet lord, I'm never talking to you again. And the other one is my current co-host of Rising from the Ashes now, Danny Naki Daniel. And but right at that same fucking time when it when that shit aired, I was lying in bed, okay, completely healed from my broken back. I have a golden spine now, by the way, everybody, with a, 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 a spatula antenna and that comes out of the back of my uh, my cortex here. And, um, yeah, super sick, dude, super sick. It was like a $40,000 upgrade. I threw it on my platinum insurance. <laughs> no big deal. Um, I was laying in bed, and I hear the voicemail play, because at this point, I'd never heard my voice on a podcast before. So I was listening to the joint sessions. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be played on the higher side chats. I am so excited. And, um... And then I heard this guy who was a booker for Sam Sam Tripoli, and he went on to Greg's show and told him, thank you, Greg, for, you know, working with Sam. I can't remember what exactly he said, but it was something along the lines of, he went on Sam's show, and you were just saying thanks, and you're fucking awesome, and listen to my family thinks I'm crazy. And I was like, this guy's fucking this guy right here, he's fucking crazy. If his family thinks it's crazy, I know fucking crazy, bro. I, where I grew up down here in the sewers, it's crazy down here, kid. Dude, it was so anyway, crazy. Greg fucking had to shut the fucking stream off. He was like, holy shit, I need to pause right now. <laughs> and then everything went blank. And then now, next thing I knew, I was exactly who I am today. Over a year. Wait, has it been? it's been over a year, right? Think so. It's been because that was the winter of 2021. Because I think my podcast had only been around for a few months, and you were just getting yours kicked off because you just met Dan. And uh, and then I can't remember who put us in touch initially, but somebody either in Alt Media United or maybe you guys reached out to me because of Alt Media United. But either way. The, the seas parted, the clouds all parted, the, the sun shone down, and you joined me for episode, let's see, what was the first time Homie Romy and Mark Steves ever talked? <laughs> look it up. Well, we talked on the phone, I think, but yeah, I had you on episode, hmm. I can't remember when our first episode was, maybe it was like a, like a, a I think- I think you may have came on the RFTA and talked about the New England stuff. I think we started talking about Tartaria like right off the bat. Oh shoot, dude! We were we were dick deep down the Tartaria rabbit hole at this point, and uh, that was when I had my head still up my ass. Yeah, episode Uh, thirty-five, eight months ago. That was yeah, that was twenty. That was. uh, 
Yeah, but that was still, I mean, we had known each other for a little while, though, because I remember. Oh, yeah, months. I remember. Even after the fucking voicemail, bro, I, like, Dan and I talked on the phone for months before even getting an episode out, you know, so it, it was, it was bubbling and brewing for a bit there, bud. Definitely was. Well, your, your first episodes, you guys did, like, uh, no guests, just you and Dan, and then you had yeah. on... Actually, coincidentally, I just had on Golden Gate Starfort Command, uh, Casey Watson, and he was your second guest, or third, no, second guest ever. First you had Sergio, and then you had uh, Golden Gate Starfort Command. I just got linked up with him, like, only a, a month ago we did an episode together. But, um, that episode will be out soon. Yeah, dude. Oh, nice. And, nice. And then I think I booked you and Dan uh, respectively, individually on um, some of Sam's shows. Like you've done Zero. Uh, Dan has done. Now he's done Tinfoil Hat. But previously, I think I had him on Only Conspiracies. But I was trying to get you both on Tinfoil Hat for a while to get into the box saga and all that. Which I'm glad that eventually happened. But it's unfortunate that it happened with the. The show that Dan Offshoot started, uh, but that's cool, cause no, that, I don't give a fuck because I'm not the box saga guy. Well, that's uh, true. That's true. You're more of the yeah. Tartaria head. You're into the like we talked about yeah, on but... episode 115, the Resonance Architecture. But you weren't always yeah. as into it as you are now. You were once. You said you were a shithead. What did you call yourself? Skeptical? I don't think you're either of those, but I mean, you're skeptical. Back when I had my head up my ass. Oh, yes. Here's the deal. Okay. So, when Putin fucking unloaded the vault, like in 2017, and he let a bunch of stuff out of the, the Russian history vault, and all the Tartaria, I think it might have been 2015. Don't quote me on exactly the fucking year, but um, when he opened up the vaults and all these, like, Tartaria maps are just getting uh, flooded on the internet, that's, that's kind of when an extra boom got picked up and it just was really fascinating you know it was fascinating and it, and it woke a lot of motherfuckers up honestly like that's one of those one of those you know conspiracies that really fucking it pulled a lot of interesting people into the game now now the mud flood is some muddy waters to wait around in my brother that's where we started though like for me the first guest I had on that really like tore it down with the whole mud flood thing was um, uh, it was either Ari Asulin or, or Asulin or Andreas Exertus, both of whom I mispronounced their names horribly. Uh, but I guess that's what happens when you work for Sam Tripoli. You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the corporate tree, so to speak. That's we're, right, baby. We're not Thank corporate. You. We're rogue. We're a rogue agency. The tinfoil hat group. But yeah, dude, Mud Flood's interesting. I I know you haven't heard this, because the episode's not out yet, but when people are listening to this episode, there's a good chance that they've already heard episode 199. And what I'm about to tell you may shock you, so sit down, buckle up. Okay. Oh, sweet lord. So what this guy told me, and this is the guy I put you in touch with, because I knew you would love talking to him. Remember the guy I put you in touch with two days ago? Absolutely. 
So, this guy told me that there is a breakaway civilization in the heartland of Asia that is controlling the rest of the world. So I asked him, could that be Tartaria? And he said what he's seen online about Tartaria is the closest thing he's seen that resembles what's going on in that place. And this is a guy who worked with all sorts of Navy technology. He's somebody who, you know, had clearance to work on these, like, information operations where they were spreading propaganda and stuff. So he knows the difference between, you know, uh, a lie and a, tr a true fact, right? Because that's, that's his business, working with propaganda. And, yeah, it's just interesting to think, like, wow, what if this thing that everybody's, like, really, like, pining over, like, oh, Tartaria is the lost civilization. Like, what if it's not a good thing? Like, what if the Tartarian civilization wasn't erased by, by its enemies, but maybe it erased itself from history? Uh, you know, funny enough about that, Dan, my sweet, sweet father, uh, my co-host on the on Rise from the Ashes, I call him Pop Pop. He he actually that's his that's his Tartaria theory. Um, is he he tries it back to you know the um back to the breakaway civilizations of the of the tribes of Israel, and basically said that he's that the reptile people are the Tartarians probably and they, they are controlling the situation. He's been on that tip, bro. I, I personally was like, nah, bro, absolutely not. You know, it was a, it was a multicultural uh, people with free ether energy and it was a perfect utopia, dude. Think about this, you know? Think about Tartarian. Think about this, though, bro. What this dude told me is they use all this technology to get everybody on board to help them innovate and then they create an, uh, a cataclysmic event so that the, the small group of people in control keep all that technology and then whoever survives you know doesn't remember that technology and then it gets used against them and then they're slaves so it's like a way of, of competing against the rest of us. This one group is like, okay, we can't let them get ahead of us, so this is what we'll do. We'll make them work for us. When they get too smart and too strong, we'll destroy everything and preserve what we need and then build it all back better. <laughs> Shout out, Slow Biden. Yeah, fucking straight up. I mean, the cylindrical uh, wheel of time, you know, it moves and it grows. It's like... Time, time itself grows, but it does repeat itself. And I think, I think, whoever the secret society is, or whoever the people are, they, they, you know, they've been studying the celestial patterns for ever. That's one of the seven sacred sciences, you know, uh, for a reason. Astronomy and uh, astrological understanding uh, is absolutely the most important uh, time tracking thing you can do I mean I and that's the thing when you know what your planet is going to experience in the sense of like deluges and cataclysm and catastrophe you, you can control everything within that you know and you can build everybody up and have them make all your resources for you just so you can go retreat back into your fucking anthill you know while the rest of us fucking die off so 
I mean, there, dude, there's some, there's so many convoluted emotions I have about the fucking internet. You know, with the data mining and and all of that, and just like the security flaws, but also at the same time, there's a massive amount of like enlightened enlightenment that can happen, and and and, and sharing of uh, correspondences between people who you may not be able to have communications with. You know, so let's say soak it up while it's here. I I think we're in a time of transition. I'm not like super black belt or anything by any means. You know what I mean? But I do think something celestial, some sort of data is, is going to happen, whether or not it's just like an information flood or an information deluge or a literal physical happening, maybe tectonic plates, you know, getting getting a little uh, frisky because we're here on the West Coast, bro. <laughs> we be living on fault lines, you know what I mean? Uh, and and yeah, they've been saying why, way overdue. Which is why it's such a blessing to be able to speak to all the incredible respective podcasts you know like peter shampoo comes to mind when you start talking about that because his whole thing is like creating a gaia graph right and and like he even spent time i don't know how often he does this anymore but he spent time you know divinating for people where the best place for them to live would be right and that's just so interesting to me like uh that people can make like a really productive change in their life in that way and like connect with the earth right like you know you find your your love you move out to some nice land you raise a family you do all the things to be self-sustainable grow your own food have your own energy systems uh purify your own water and and maybe even supercharge it with hydrogen or whatever you know like all these different techniques that People like uh, the Alpha Vedic podcast, who I've had on recently, they were really cool. I I don't think you've had them on yet, but I definitely have to connect you with Dr. Bear Lando and Mike Winner, because, I mean... Oh, fuck you. Yeah, I, I know the Alpha Vedic boys, for sure. Yeah, yeah. dude, you could, I mean, you could probably go and stop by their farm and pick up some of that Jiao Gu Long tea. <laughs> that lifelong immortality tea, dude. Uh, how was that? How was that chat with the Browns gas, homie? Did I tell you he sent me an aqua cure? Bro, I know, right, dude? I was like, holy shoot, like a gift from, gift from God's grace. Like, what a kind soul. Um, but yeah, Benjamin Balderson. Shout out to Benjamin Balderson. He gave me a good review, obviously, because George was. Uh, very happy to talk to me and, of course, impressed uh, with the conversation, as most guests have been lately. I think there were a few rocky interviews that I did where I, I was afterwards, I was like, oh, I was not a good, I was not a good um, host to that guest, you know, like, what for whatever reason, I felt like I could have done better, right? Uh, but with, with God forbid people make mistakes every now and then, you know, right. well then, but you know, we ought to hold ourselves accountable so we can do better. And, uh, yeah, I forget who I was just talking about, but, oh, George Wiseman. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he was kind enough to send me one. He actually, I shouldn't have even said that cause he actually offered to send it to me before he even talked to me, which was cool. So it got delivered like within the week. And, uh, yeah, dude, and I set it up, um, 
in the corner of the kitchen. I just have not gotten started with the actual process. Maybe by the time this episode is out, I will have, but... Uh, you will. Yeah, the, the first step is to mix this solution that goes inside of the machine, and um, from then on, you, you only refill it with water. You don't like have to keep putting this solution in it, and it's like a caustic lye, uh, L-Y-E, lye solution. So, yeah, but people learned about that from the episode briefly. He gave us a little breakdown of it, and uh, you could learn all about it on the website, Eagle Research, but hopefully we get this hydrogen infuser kicking, start making that really good electrolyzed water, and I don't know, fingers crossed, maybe sell it at the farmer's market. I... When I used to sell bread at the farmer's market, there was a kombucha bottling company that started from scratch, just like making kombucha at home and bottling it and selling it at the market. And by the time, like two or three years into my time working at the market, they had like two or three uh, locations. They had like, you know, distribution and all the local cafes and grocery stores. So like, I'm not saying I'm trying to go that route, but... I saw the, like, the atmosphere of working at, like, the farmer's market. It's kind of similar to, like, festivals and stuff, which I know you're familiar with. But, yeah, the idea of being, like, a mobile vendor and not being limited to one area and just being able to travel, I think, fits in perfectly with what we're talking about with Esoteric America. You know, imagine we get that show on the road and we're convoying around for a summer you know, visiting all these places that we've talked about on Esoteric America and doing YouTube videos instead of audio episodes with, like, a Zoom meeting. We're doing stuff in person, interviewing people face-to-face or, you know, going out with a camera crew like Tony Merkel's been doing and, and filming some... That's it. I it right there, bro. I'm, I want to make documentaries about interesting esoteric shit, you know? And... You know, have just a website that you put them up. You know, I can people can go watch them, and it's just it's just about the knowledge, man. It's about the gnosis, the thirst, bro. Like that's ideally that's that's a goal for me. I think that would be really fucking awesome. What about for you, my brother? Let's make some documentaries. Let's go. You know everybody out here will watch that. Y'all want to watch the esoteric foundation of the Masonic grounds that we are stepping upon? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that happening more likely next year than this year because I do have a, uh, I do have a documentary planned. Um, it's not going to be that lengthy and won't require too much travel, but uh, people can guess. You've done a podcast with me about this, so you know. I was on your Patreon, right? That was a Patreon episode. Uh, Three, all two, about, two. All about skull and bones, so. Skull and bones. Yeah, I don't know, just trying to, and it, you know, I will say as a podcast host, it was cool to be able to be a guest on shows like the Grimerica Show, Macroaggressions, Aeon Bite. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting any, of course, your show, and yeah, a bunch of others. I think I talked to Juan about it on his show. I talked to, I think I'm going to talk to Chance about it on his show soon. 
Um, I'm sure there was a few others, but I apologize if those hosts are listening. But, uh, yeah, it was cool to, to have, because earlier when I would go on a show, you know, like the first podcast I ever did, that was like any, any that anyone like really listened to at a large level was Tinfoil Hat. And I did all this research on Aleister Crowley because it kept coming up in the show. And I was like, I could put some, you know, put something on this and put something together. I know enough about Crowley. And, you know, that was kind of like cramming style of like research, you know, because I crammed it all in for like a week, like like what, what I was going to say. Whereas now I feel like I've gotten better at retaining the information so I could go on a show like that and just have everything sort of figured out what to say and just walk them through it. And what's cool is each time I've done one of those interviews about that topic, I've had interesting information that's unique to each conversation come out because it's just like part of how I, I how I think, I guess. I don't know. It's, kind of hard to explain but does that make any sense well it's, it's like what we were talking about you know uh, a while ago it's like when you put the information in you know at first it seems sporadic because it's, it's just it's just going in and it's freshly digested but by the time it you know fully gets digested by that celestial body by your you know your etheric digester system then it somehow becomes like fluid and you're able to like constantly talk about things because I totally know what you're talking about uh you know having done done similar things you know we just cram cram a lot in you know the information you read it you get it you know but it's, it's different than after it's been just totally digested for a bit you know and so that's the thing you gotta have homies with the platforms and you know it's it's, it's just a continuous bloomage man the shit don't ever change nothing ever stops it's always flowing and going and growing well said brother and you know that very well because you have been doing several different presentations and I'm sure this has happened with your presentations about resonance architecture that you know it's like uh, each time you, you're like learning you know as each podcast goes along the next time you know more and you add to it and so I'm excited to have you back on at some point to talk about that I mean we're going to be doing esoteric America so anybody that wants to hear the homie Romy and I uh, each week you can tune into esoteric America as its own RSS feed we should be on Apple by now but we should be on every single podcast app uh, eventually but right now I know I can say for sure you can listen to us on Spotify YouTube and podcast addict and a few of but the other YouTube and videos are the best dude. The videos, yes, people, I mean, I love audio content. I I like to, like, think about what's being presented and just imagine it sometimes when they are doing slideshows and then just go and, like, fast-forward through it later because I know then at least they get two downloads instead of one. But, um, you know, supporting the content. But also, yeah, you're absolutely right. People, and they can get it for free on Rockfin, too. You don't have to be a Rockfin subscriber to watch it on Rockfin. Um, 
So yeah, yeah, you want to see the Esoteric America video portion because yeah, we, we have presentations. William Henry, our uh, third episode, he didn't have a presentation. So that episode, audio is fine. We showed a few pictures, but uh, yeah, audio is going to be good for that. But William's a great guest, so we definitely want to have that video up, Roman, because YouTube's going to love that. I mean, he's ancient aliens. Uh, regular, right? So people probably, I would guess people just search his name regularly on YouTube and see what they could find. And maybe they'll find Esoteric America. But you've been doing, again, that presentation on uh, resonance architecture. I've seen you on several podcasts lately. You said you're uh, on Chance's podcast earlier. Was that Interverse or... or Right. Yeah, yeah, with uh, the Interverse, and usually I hadn't actually done, I did the Resonance with you, like, back, like a, a while ago when it was really, really fresh, but then I hadn't done it since, but I was doing the Antiquated Transhumanism, which right. I was, I'm, I'm, like, way more versed on that, because the... the the architecture itself, I've, I've been digging into uh, Virtuvius, Vitruvius, who wrote this book called The Ten Books of Architecture. Uh, I think it was written in like 45 BCE. It's like really fucking old, but it was translated from Greek to English in the 16th century. But it is mind-blowing. I mean, just grasping the the concept of all these sciences and all these polymaths that, you know, these ancient architects had to cover. It's not like being an architect today. You have to go through all of the initiatory processes. Ancient architects were absolutely high initiates um, because the church wasn't going to give anybody the job to do that, especially back in ancient Greece, obviously, right? And so... It really started like I, I was. I started getting into it, and I was just like, "Fuck, this is way too goddamn big of a rabbit hole." I was like, "For for a fucking measly like old pot growing podcaster like myself, this is like a little too uh, a little deep down the scholarly level shit." You know, I'm like, "I'm gonna need some more time <laughs> to uh, to really dig deep on it." Um, though, uh, granted, I, I I think I did a good job today. I mean, there was it's just really dense. It was three hours of you know a lot of a lot of dance so but i i'm probably gonna chill for a little bit on them you know Focus on like I said, rising like, from the ashes esoteric america and the patreon show right. that you do i mean yeah you got a lot of irons in the fire dude i wouldn't blame yeah. you i did want to bring it up though because the newest episode of esoteric america which will be out and available to listen to when this episode is out um that is dealing with resonance architecture we didn't even know it coming into it i I mean maybe chad did but um there's a instrument built into the bicentennial mall in nashville tennessee oh yeah it's it's a great great episode and uh that whole area one of the one of the big discoveries i did make on doing the research that was, I was really stoked on is looking at sacred sites and wondering what one of the major um, considerations of the ancients about finding sacred sites besides dowsing rods, um, which is a big one because I love dowsing rods. 
great esoteric topic because it's hard to find like a bunch of really good information on it but there's a bunch of old text on it it's fucking fascinating uh, if you see the, the head of a um, of a ram on the side of an old gothic cathedral um, generally that's signifying um, the Aries symbol also like starting being the head of the zodiac wheel is signifying a dowsing rod um, and so that that's cool they would do that they would definitely have dowsing rods but they would just look for uh, for the caverns, and 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 the mounds were built on caverns, and so that's one of these large uh, clues about the fucking mound building culture that I, I kind of was getting into was if the Freemasons and whoever was coming here and establishing the New World, right at that time, the conquistadors, the Spanish heavily. Um, I think they were just looking for the mounds, looking for any of the sacred sites, and then finding the caverns underneath because they, they were harnessing some sort of electromagnetic energy, and they would use it for, um, I think, alchemical processes because when you have those high electromagnetic areas and you have magnetite in the ground or you, you, know, you have some gold deposits, you're able to... Uh, through the gold making process of alchemy faster and better and you need those high um hot emf areas you know and so when we fucking did the nashville episode it really clicked why it's such a potent area is because you know the memphis tennessee is named after fucking memphis you know, into the ancient city of Egypt, and there's all these connotations, you know, to one of the uh, biggest energetic hotspots in the world, to Egypt, Giza, you know, here in America, and it's right fucking there. I can't wait to do a Memphis episode. Anyways, I was alluding to, if there's caves, there's caverns, the, the electromagnetic energy from the Earth is heavier there than it is in non-cavernous areas. That's why, like, um, Tant- or Kentucky in the Penny Royal, right? That whole state, for the most part, you know, is all mammoth caves. It's all these caves. And they say it's one of the heaviest electromagnetic uh, fields in North America. So I'm like, you know, it's, I, it's clues I'm putting together, but I think once you go towards the caves, and then that kind of goes into like some you know the old Hopi story of the ant people and potential like hollow earth and Shambhala and you know I think mining when you, another thing I told my friend the other day I was like when you, you really want to like kind of see how the market's going and kind of do a little bit of future predicting look at the mining companies who's head heading the mining operations what mining operations are going on you know because that is a very very old um <clears throat> wealth family the, the, the mining families those are ancient bloodlines dude like is when you control the mines controlling all of the the essential minerals and you make motherfucking cake off of that bro so to watch the miners dude and you might you know you can predict the future a little bit at least on some market swings and right. the fuck the transhuman got going on right 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 yeah and I I'm gonna make a wild guess and assume that some of this is coming from your dive into ancient egypt and sumer that's the month of august on the rising from the ashes podcast you guys recently did north norse history month or norse mythology and then you also had america slash or esoteric america slash syncretism month which kind of inspired 
this podcast esoteric america in a way because you know we got talking about that a lot and then you know one thing led to another and you know i did a show with chad i think you did a show with chad around that same time and we were like oh yeah you know chad i know chad let's do a show with him <laughs> and and here we are now brother so it's a pleasure to know you and podcast with you and uh I think everybody listening to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, if they aren't already in love with the Rising from the Ashes podcast, they will be when they tune in and check out the awesome creative format and the fun interplay between two very unique people, both of which have been on this show. Dan himself is, uh, you know, like you said earlier, he's got his own take on things and, you know, a lot of it kind of, I mean, <laughs> he he feels like a box saga person, like, you know, like it, in the sense that like he could blend in in that era, in that world uh, better than maybe you or I could. But uh, you guys have a comic book coming. You guys have a comic book coming out where Dan is actually like a, a Viking type of character, right? And you're like a... You're like some kind of... Tell me about it before I just babble on. Like, what, what's this comic book about that you guys are making? Oh, we've been we've been writing some shit, man. We got some good storylines. We're, we're really into, like, uh, you know, ancient history and, uh, like, folklore and stories. And, uh, you know, so we, we've come up with some pretty fucking uh, outrageous storylines. But, yeah, dude, so he's, you know, he's just a fucking big-ass Viking. Uh, but we're, it's going to be kind of bouncing back and forth between the real world and a fantasy world. Um, I'm not going to give too much away uh, until we get closer. But yeah, he's a big-ass Viking, and I'm like a goat-legged bard, (laughs) like a tennis character. I thought that that would be fucking hilarious if I was just... I'll have different animal legs throughout the series, too. Oh, you you like an anamorpher? Yep. Dude... Get like you can get like egret legs for like going through the water, like low water. You get like fucking crocodile not legs. Not by my choice. You get like freaking cheetah legs if you gotta run away really fast, dude. You can get like no, fish tail if you wanna like swim, dude. Come on, like, dude. It's kind of like luck of the draw. Like one of my one of my flop. Like I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty flop character. Oh yeah, no, you I know? get it, I get it. It's not DC or Marvel. You know, everybody, the, the imperfect antihero. I like it. I think Paranoid American does great work. I have several copies of one of his comic books, and uh, yeah, dude, I'm excited. I'm sure oh, I'll get a copy awesome. of that. Have you had him on the show? Of course, he was on episode 44, our first marathon episode. This is, this would be our third marathon episode. We did a marathon episode for episode 100, which was also my birthday episode, which I think you were about right. of. Were you there? Were you there? Don't, don't. Uh, I was not there, but Dan was there. Dan was there. Okay. I think you were invited, but you were busy. Yeah, I had to work, unfortunately. That's okay. Either way, you got to get to work right now. We got to get to the next caller. And thank you so much, Roman, for being here on episode 200 of the My Family Thinks and Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, here's to 200 more. And I know our show, Esoteric America, probably will have its own episode 200 one day. So people better get in there quick and, and keep up before you got to binge, binge listen, you know. 
We don't recommend binge <laughs> listening. We recommend sticking with us from the beginning. Absolutely, absolutely. It's an honor to podcast with you, my brother, to dive deep into the mysteries of history. Uh, it's been a wild ride, and I, I can't wait for all the crazy turns ahead. Likewise, likewise. Well, Roman, have a great night over there on the West Coast. We're going to take our next call. Everybody gets pinched, but you did it right. You told them nothing, and they got nothing. I thought you'd be mad. Man, I'm not mad. I'm proud of you. You took your first pinch like a man, and you learned the two greatest things in life. What? Look at me. Never ride on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. President of the United States. Even before I first wandered into the cab stand for an after-school job, I knew I wanted to be a part of them. It was there that I knew that I belonged. And to me, it meant being somebody in a neighborhood that was full of nobodies. They weren't like anybody else. I mean, they did whatever they wanted. They double-parked in front of a hydrant, and nobody ever gave them a ticket. In the summer, when they played cards all night, nobody ever called the cops. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster.
Get the fuck out of here, Tommy. Yeah, motherfucker. I almost had him. I almost had him. Yeah, stutter him for It's my 200th episode, and I had to include you, Ron, because we've been friends since episode 10. And even earlier than that, I believe we did a show or two together. And someone who, regrettably, I've had a falling out with, shout out to Ryan Dean. I'm not happy about how our podcast friendship ended, but I wish him the best. And thanks to Ron, Ryan, I was introduced to you, Ron, which is kind of curious because we actually live closer in proximity than I do most of the podcast folks I talk to. So it's a, it's a pleasure to have a fellow New Englander that I can call a friend in this podcast space. And I've made a f- couple other New Englander friends since I met you. But uh, anyways, how you been, Ron? Thanks for being a part of the 200th episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I was there for the hundreds. I remember. You were. And in the very beginning when you were doing the show. Episode with, 10. Your buddy, your buddy Jay, was it Jay? Jay, Adam, Mikey, Chris, shout out to the former co-hosts of the show. You've done an episode with myself and Tara. Tara's been a co-host All on right. many yeah. episodes. And yeah, I think you've joined us twice for two episodes where you were the sole guest and then you've been on the show at least three or four times for the outro segment so you're up there with andreas exertus as the most returning guest champion guest on the my family thinks i'm crazy podcast like like on saturday saturday night live they had this thing you're part of the five time club Mm. did you ever hear of that no but you are definitely part of the mftic five time club yeah, so Saturday Night Live had that. So, and I think the first one to do that was Steve Martin. Okay, working off a of memory, and then you know various people. You know, once you once you host Saturday Night Live five times, well, I put you into a different like a different different group. Mm. So, Interesting. So yeah, so glad to glad to be here for the two hundredth. Yeah, so glad you, to have you've been, you. You've been really busy. That's for sure. And we talk often. We talk far more often than we've had podcasts. We've had many more phone calls and i've been a guest on your show a couple times the wicked planet podcast which is doing very well you you it was just an idea in your head when you first joined us on episode 10 i don't know if you had any any podcasts recorded yet other than your guest spots on numerous podcasts but yeah yeah. i don't don't think so it took me like it was a major like mental hurdle for me to Mm. To, to jump over to start my own show. And I don't know what the hangup was, but I got over it, obviously. Well, I helped. Wicked, Pla- Wicked Planet, I think we're doing our 75th episode today, mm. uh, a little bit later when Buckley shows up. And uh, and that's not including bonus shows. So I think we probably have 80 total. So we've been doing it because we only do one a week for now. So So, but I've been easing into the, Doing one a week and then doing like a shorter segment mm. during the week. Wow. Yeah. So like if something interesting happens or something I, you know, consider like an emergency bonus episode, mm. like we like to go on, but we're going to be ramping the show up. So uh, hey, you've been see, doing, you've been doing more bonus episodes lately. I've noticed. And, and yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely feel like in some small way, I helped inspire you, helped talk you into 
starting oh, yeah. the podcast. Yeah no, yeah, no doubt about that, Mark. And you've been very helpful with some of my tech questions, mm, mm. which uh, thank God I am pretty tech savvy to begin with. But uh, when you, you know, when you add a new piece of equipment in like the roadcaster, mm. right, that's a whole new learning curve, which is a magnificent piece of machinery. Right. Right. And, and I, uh, I shouldn't pat myself on the back too hard because you are certainly adept compared to the average person in your age bracket, we'll say. When it comes to <laughs> podcasting, there's not many people your age that are even aware of podcasting, let alone host and edit and produce and do all the things for their yeah. own podcast. So yeah, I it's a pleasure to to have grown our shows alongside of each other and it's been an interesting two years. My show started in October. I believe yours started in 2021, right? I, so March, yeah, March of 2021. Right on, yeah. So from, from I first went on with Ryan in July of 2020. Mm, right. So I've, been, so I've been in the game for a couple of years. Right, about, now, almost yeah. exactly as long as I have. Yeah, so my show is, what is that, 15 months now, 16 months? So, you know, obviously we'll hit the two-year mark in March of 2023. Right on. So, yeah, yeah. So so it's moving along, you know, and it's a lot of work, like what you said. Like, you know, a lot of the listeners, they don't realize. Well, I'm sure they do, but when you're doing it start to finish, right, so you're doing setting up your shows, getting a studio set up, which isn't as easy as it sounds like to do it right. And which I'm not quite there on doing it right, but it's getting closer. And then you do the recording and then you do the editing, which when you don't know anything about editing, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but I'm doing good at that. And then the publishing, like doing that whole process. Hmm. I mean, it's, you know, I, it, it not going to lie. It's, it's gotten a lot easier, obviously, as time goes by. And, uh, but we're always learning something new. Like we talked before the show, you know, just a few questions I had about the roadcaster, you know, doing things a little different here and there, you know, whatever situation arises that you have to do it different. Mm. I mean, because with the roadcaster, like you can record an episode without even using a computer. Right. 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 So, yeah. but, but to get it, but to get it out to the public, well, then you got to have a computer. So, Anyways, but uh, yeah, so it's a lot of work, you know, in that, and you're trying to run, you know, run your regular life, like besides that. And then, and then you want to make sure that you have content that people want to listen to. And then you want to kind of build on that with having more content, you know, like you've helped me out setting up my Patreon, which I got to finalize. So then you have to make more content for your Patreon listeners because it has to be, you know, not, well, it doesn't has to be, but it, 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 can be a little different than like the normal show. Mm, right. Which is kind of cool. It's kind of kind of what I'm going to be shooting for is having some different, because we're going to have three different layers, or I should say levels on our Patreon. Right. Yeah. I, on the top level, we're going to give people something different that they can't get on the other levels. So I guess we'll see how that goes. But I mean, that's, that's more work, more time, more content, more creation. Right. Yeah. So, I, we, put, I, so we put a lot into it. I know, and I'm really happy to see you taking all that because a lot of people, you know, they can't stick with it or or maybe they give up or whatever, but it's not as hard as it seems, but a lot goes into it. 
and there's yeah. a learning curve. It's an art to it. There's a skill to it. And then on top of that, you know, you also have to be fairly good at uh, promoting yourself and, and, and networking with people, which can be difficult and, and tricky, especially when, you know, people end up showing their, their true colors. I mean, we don't have to get too far into that, but we've had some, some negativity expressed on social media in the past few days, which is interesting because it's just, I don't, I don't feel like I did anything to deserve it, but anyways. Well, you know what? You're going to have that no matter what. So this is no different. I mean, and it is very unfortunate, right, that these things happen. I have been running my own business for years. I actually ran it when my father was the owner. And so you run into a lot of these same situations, like just running a regular business. Right. So, so, so when you say, you know, learning about promoting yourself and getting it out there. And I mean, I never advertised for my business and I have more work than I know what to do with, you know, it's just, if you give a good product at a reasonable rate, then you're going to be busy bottom line. And you're always going to have people that for lack of better word, will talk shit or they will, you know, whatever. And I'm not absolutely sure I know exactly what's going on right now. And, 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 uh, but, but I know things that have gone on in the past and, and it's unfortunate, you know, it, it is what it is. There's a lot of different personalities involved. The bigger the circle gets, well, there's more personalities thrown into the mix. Right. So, so these things are going to happen. I mean, it should be expected to be honest, but, but, you know, the one thing that people need to understand is the average the average person will try doing a podcast like 10 episodes, right? If they can't get past 10 mm. because they either give up or whatever. Well, 75% don't make it past the first year. And that's just a statistic. It's not like anything I've seen personally. Surprisingly, a lot of the folks we've helped with Alt Media United's free website have kept at it because they're a part of a cooperative and they feel like, okay, I'm, you know, there's a sort of a sort of accountability you have when you're amongst peers. Whereas maybe if you're by yourself, it's like, well, nobody's going to care if I stop doing my podcast. So, right. Yeah, it, it's definitely a, a difficult task to keep it going. And and not everybody's lifestyle can make it feasible. Me, I I left my old way of life to to do this. You know, I've I've committed to this full bore and and tried to help as many people along the way. And yeah, you know, attaching myself to other personalities has probably left me really the the only reason it seems is because of my association with sam is that people start beef with me and i go yeah. i go out of my way to defend sam and then it makes me look bad and then now people screen share the things that or screenshot the things that i've said maybe in a direct message to them because I feel insulted. You know, I, people, people come a part of Alt Media United. I'd give them the benefit of the doubt and give them a free place on the website. And then they turn around and they, you know, use their conspiracy podcast to trash Sam Tripoli or trash me. And it's like, well, you're not a cooperative person. Why would you be in a cooperative with us if, if this is how you disrespect people? And, and, yeah, I know people are going to have uh, 
maybe their opinions about that, but that's the position I'm taking, and I don't see how any logical or rational person could argue with that. But I don't want to, I don't want to drag this conversation too far into that. But it's the 200th episode, and I feel like it's worth talking about, and it's worth talking about with someone like you, Ron, who's known me for as long as you've known me, and who's podcasted with a lot of the same people I've podcasted with. And it, it, you know, I think a lot of people want to say this or that, but there's just as for every one person that has a bad thing to say about me, there's five or 10 folks like yourself who know me and know I'm a, a, a kind person who really is in this to help people. So it's just yeah. a shame that that hard work that I put into Alt Media United is being taken for granted and 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 not being appreciated by people who I had no I had no, nothing against and and no reason not to help really no reason to help them at all other than the fact that they had a podcast and and they're in the same genre as us and yeah so just for people listening if you see weird stuff on social media from podcasters who are attacking myself and Sam Tripoli that should tell you all you need to know you know I if I react in a way that upsets you, well, I'm a human being, right? I make mistakes. I get mad. Somebody insults me. You know, you're a New Englander too. We don't take kindly to that. If somebody if somebody said something like these people are saying on social media to me in person, it would be a different situation, you know, altogether. So, and and they're not brave enough to do that. And and I'm not saying that hurting someone takes bravery, but but you know, it's just a weird thing to be to be in a position where, you know, I spend a lot of hard work and time on my podcast and I, I really neglect social media. And then I go on social media and I see, you know, these negative things. And it's like, all right, that sucks, <laughs> you know, which to be fair, there's far more positive comments to look at by far than there ever is negative stuff. But well, I have a take on it. I have a little bit it. of a take on it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, for one, I am not a person like, and I don't understand. And I mean, people do what they do. They have their reasons for doing it. I get it. It's fine. It's a free country. You can do whatever you want. But I don't understand why people find it necessary to get down on another show, get down on a particular personality, a podcast personality. In order to, quote unquote, expose them for what they really are. And it's like, you know what? We're all entertainers in a sense. So we try to entertain people while giving them good information, right? No two podcasts are the same. No two podcast personalities are the same. People are their own people. They do what they do. And sometimes I wonder, you know, why did you do that? So I, I don't understand the personal attacks on other podcasters or the, like I said before, the exposing of other podcasters, but ultimately you don't have any control over that, right? There's always going to be an element to that. And I don't, I, I truly don't understand why, because, you know, even if you don't, even if you don't like the person or you have a beef with this person or you don't like their content, it's the same thing. As when you're on social media, and social media is to blame for like a lot of society ills as far as I'm concerned. But you don't have to actively 
attack them. Just don't follow them. Don't listen to them. Don't be any any part of them. But they don't stop doing that, right? So so it's like it's like it, it's it's counterproductive. Like it's it's counterproductive. And and I don't like to get in the middle of it. I won't get in the middle of anything that's going on. I just really wish that people would say, okay, this is what I'm all about. This is what I like to talk about. This is I like to have guests come on and talk about these things. But don't single out somebody else, you know, without even mentioning any names. Like there's several, several instances of this going on that I see all over Instagram. Right. Right. And, 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 and I'm, and I'm friends like with all these people, like podcasting acquaintances with all these people. Right. And, and I just, I don't say anything because I'm like, you know, I could really give you my opinion, probably not going to like it, but I, I, but I just, but I just, I mean, you and I have talked at length about certain things that have happened in the last couple of years or last year in particular. Yeah. Well, and the and, truth and is mean, shit, shit happens. Right. But, but if, if it's just like, if you see a post you don't like, you don't agree with fucking scroll on, man. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and don't, don't go and personally attack them. Because then you all become what what they call keyboard warriors, right? Like like <laughs> like you would never say this shit to anybody in person, right? Right. right? And so, I so I don't I don't get the whole thing. And even if you know, like I always said, okay, we're all doing the same thing. We kind of should be like working with each other and helping each other. It's I, I said this on I went on with Chris last night at Forbidden Knowledge News. Did a great show with him. Really good guy, right? I told him on the show, listen. I don't understand why people think this is a competition. There are plenty of ears to go around. Right. So it's like everybody, it's just like the automotive business. Yeah. You want to talk about a cutthroat business, dog eat dog business. Mm. I had, I have friends that I grew up with learning this trade together. We all went in our separate directions and did our own thing. To this day, I have one that does nothing but talk shit about me. Mm. Talk shit about my shop. But I'm like, okay. This is where I'm at. Right. Where the fuck are you? Well, and then the truth is like, there. Who, who are you to be giving me a fucking hard time when I produce week in, week out in good shit? Right. Show winning cars, show winning motorcycles. And to me, I think it's, and I'm not making this comparison to other podcasters. I'm just saying. In this instance, I think it's like an inferiority complex. Mm. Like, like, and, and, and maybe a form of jealousy. Mm. Well, and projecting when the whole time I'm upset because like now we're not friends anymore. Right. And well, we grew up together. Our families were friends. Our families are still fucking friends. I mean, I'll make the comparison in my situation. That's how I feel. A lot of these people had an opportunity to become my friend and, and through alt media United, I've made a lot of really great friends and yeah, it's just interesting. And the truth is Ron, I'm sure most of those people won't even listen to this. So this really isn't even for them. You know, they're, they're going to, you know, fire shots on Instagram and it's all drive-bys. They're fighting a battle that nobody else is fighting in, in their own life. And, and I just happen to be a bystander for their anger. And this really why I wanted to talk about this. And I know it's like, oh, get to the interesting stuff. Well, yeah, you know, people are going to support the show on Instagram. They're going to support the show on Telegram. And I want them to know how I feel about this if they see something like that. And I know the people listening to episode 200 care enough, especially if you're at this point in the show. So thank you. 
for tuning in. And if if it is somebody listening because you're you're hate listening or whatever, I wish you the best. You know, I, I, I if you don't like the show, nobody's asking you to listen and nobody's asking you to support it. You know, I I I ask people who find value in this show to send value back my way. And I ask people to respect the friends that I have in Alt Media United. And if you're gonna go in a in a public place and and disrespect somebody that I'm friends with, well, you're not a part of the the free benefit of Alt Media United anymore. And there's nothing I, I have to say to you. And for the record, I have never once attacked any single person. I'm not saying that to you, Ron, but recently that's been the aspersions that's been cast is like, oh, this guy's gatekeeping and he's attacking people in DMs. No, no, no. I do this in DMs because it's a private a private matter. If somebody publicly disrespects me or a friend, I'll send them a DM and tell them how I really feel. And the 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 number one sign of cowardice, in my opinion, is this social media thing that where people screenshot a personal private message and then share it with their Instagram audience. You know, that's that's been happening very frequently, and uh, it's whatever. I. I I don't regret everything I say. I certainly regret some things I say. Sometimes I have a temper and, you know, I'm from New England. We like to talk shit around here. So, uh, okay. I, so, so I've always <laughs> tried to work on giving you like personal advice. Right. In right. Situations, right? <laughs> so, cause I'm an older guy. I've been through a lot and I've been through situations of shit like this. Like in my past life, if shit like this went down, I mean, it could turn into a fucking shootout and I'm not making that up. Hmm. Like that's real life, right. how you deal with a situation. Well, I'm but, sure but, some but people listening are thing. laughing, thinking like, oh, these podcast idiots are beefing or, you know, holding their guns. So yeah, no, I trust me. I know it's, it's not. So, so but oh. the thing is, it's also important sometimes to just do like Elsa said in the movie Frozen. Just fucking let it go. You know, yeah. what do, what these guys like to do, they like to pour fuel on the fire and then you get other people that are adding fuel to the fire. Right. It becomes it becomes a group of sharks that fucking come up onto something that's bleeding in the water. It's called blood in the water. And and that and that creates a frenzy. It's like put one bowl of food down in front of five pit bulls and see what happens. Right? right? I mean, you got to just call it you know, and you got to say, because you, Mark, sometimes can add fuel to the fire yourself. Oh, yeah, I and know. I'm telling you that I'm telling you this as your friend. And I've told you this before. Sometimes you just got to let shit go. You just got to say, hey, sorry you feel that way. Well, uh, and that's. I'm sorry you feel that way. But, okay, this so this will be the end of our association. Right. And, and that's something just, I. Just I'm... leave it at that. And when you DM somebody, like, that should be private. So that's the same as creating more gossip by airing these things in a public forum when it's meant to be private. So, so there's guilt on all different aspects of this, right? Of whatever, whatever it is that's fucking going on, right? Like people need to kind of take a different approach to it. I think, like, like, like take those DMs and kind of process them in your mind. Well, and and. So, if somebody and, and, and then just decide that okay, yo, know, I'm sorry you feel that way. Whatever, we'll just leave it alone. Right, and I'm not but afraid never, to admit. It never stops there though. Doesn't stop there. Right. It fucking escalates, and when shit escalates, like in the real world, when shit escalated, it got hairy. 
Now, I'm not saying that's what's happening online. Like, I don't even really know what's happening. We'll talk about it later. But people just need to understand if something's private, have the balls to keep it private. Right. Well, and, and that's... Because essentially what people do when they're posting pictures of DMs is they're looking for people to take a side. Mm, right. Right. Instead of... Instead of well, they're being divisive. Remain, remain neutral, right? Just remain neutral. They're being divisive, and and I'm not afraid to admit my wrongdoings. And you're right. Maybe I could hold my tongue and and not express my frustration with people attacking me and the and the free benefit that I've given them through Alt Media United, which is not free to me, folks. I put a lot of hard work into that website and time and money, but uh, that's not the point. I'm not afraid to admit it. And Ron, I really appreciate your advice and your wisdom. And, and you're right. You know, it, it, it's not worth, it's not worth the energy. And, you know, these folks who do that, how can you trust a conspiracy podcaster who, who's conspiracizing against other conspiracy podcasters? I mean, come on, folks, that should tell you all you need to know. The, well, well, there's another aspect to this too. And this is the only, like, comparison that I'd say between New Englanders and New Yorkers. And I guess you could probably throw New Jersey people in on that. We don't take kindly to get to shit talk. Right. And, and we don't take kindly to personal attacks. And I think that's just bred into us because we're natural-born fucking anarchists to, be up, to begin with. Well, there's and this... England, and New Englanders, if you're, if you're attacking... Somebody, say you're attacking somebody that's in your family or somebody that's a friend, well, then you're going to come to the defense. That is a natural defense mechanism right? that I think we are born with. And there's other people in the rest of the country say, oh, well, we do that too. Well, you may do that, but you don't do it on the fucking level a New Englander does it. Right. Because we are our own animal. Everybody else in the rest of the country, you know, the only thing that's even remotely close to us mm. is New Yorkers, Right. I have no problem with New Yorkers. I love their attitudes. I love how they're no nonsense. I love how they'll fucking call you out on stuff. And that's exactly how New England is, especially people that live in a close proximity to Boston, which is the, which is the fuck around find out city of New England. <laughs> right? So, so I mean, go to a Boston sporting event, right? Go to a Pats game. Now, I've done all these things. Go to a Bruins game. Like that's the, probably the most brutal thing you could ever witness is something go down well, it, during a Bruins game. And when you grow up like that, it teaches you to either be really tough or re really respectful in public because yeah. you realize like, okay, I'm not going to piss this guy off. He's going to kick my ass or whatever. But no, I, I, I'm with you and I'm sick of the social media sensitivity where people take the slightest confrontation and, and then they twist it on you. Like you're the aggressor. Meanwhile, they instigated the whole thing. So anyways, like enough said, about that. It's, it's whatever's, whatever's happened, whatever's happened in the past. It, it's, it's unfortunate, right? That's all. It's just, it's unfortunate that these things happen, but they're going to happen. It, yeah, it's, well, it's and cold, I wanted it's a to cold reality. It's a cold reality. And Ron, it's going to happen. I wanted to address it in episode 200 because this show, and this is a promise to the listeners, this show is growing way beyond any of the podcasters who are wasting their time spreading lies and rumors and gossip and all that stuff. 
So moving forward, this podcast is not going to entertain gossip or any of this stuff. And on social media, I am not going to engage with that. So if you see that moving forward, listeners, and you'd like to stand up for me, fine. If you'd like to not, I understand that completely. And, and I hope you can understand my side of things because there are going to be people who question and conspiracize. We're in a paranoid community of podcasters. That's just the fact of the matter. Yeah, and I, I, I yeah, work for sucks. very well-known podcasters. So that puts me in a sort of targeted position. There's either people that maybe are jealous that they're not doing what I'm doing, or maybe they're jealous of Sam's success. And I, I make no allusions to the fact that I have been benefited greatly. And it's a blessing to work for Sam. I don't take any sort of ego from that or even gatekeeping. I mean, this there's people on the podcast cooperative who have five or 10 episodes in their podcast, you know, like they're just starting. So there's no gatekeeping going on. If you, but anyways, Ron, well, Hey, I was in on all media United from the beginning. Right. I right. was like one of the first shows on it. And like you could have full of shows. You yeah. could have stopped your show, which you didn't five episodes in. And I still would have left it up because you're a great guy, you know? And, and like, that's why it's so weird when people, you know, say that. And it's what it is. It's people who don't agree with the position of this show because we don't lean too deeply into, you know, earth shape and we don't lean too deeply into one religious view. So, you know, or that, any view like, no, like right. don't even bring religion into it. Like, like, cause I have my views on religion, right? We've talked about that at length. Like, like I look at it as a historical, right. historical documents. Right. So I have no problem with religion, like at all. I don't have any problem people talking about religion, like none. I understand. I like to take the position of like, what was his name? Gunnery Sergeant Hartman in the movie Full Metal Jacket. Hmm. I am tough, but because I am tough, some of you will not like me, but you will find that I am fair. And I've always been fair with every podcaster that I've ever dealt with. And I'm talking even ones that I know that have an ongoing beef with you. I am fair in all of this. Well, I to be, them, to, I tell them what I think. Yeah. I tell you what I think. And and this is the whole and this is the whole thing, right? So, not everybody's gonna get along with everybody, and people right. need to understand that. Well, and to be fair, Ron, I. I have no ongoing beefs. <laughs> Let's just set that clear. Anybody who has negative feelings about me misunderstands me and has not taken the opportunity to clear it up with me. Because most of the people who seem to have beefs with me have been invited on this show and declined the opportunity. So what does that tell you? If I didn't like someone and they invited me on their show, I'd take them up on it. I'd say, okay, I'll join you. Even if you make me look bad, at least I have a chance to talk it out. But yeah, well, well, I guess maybe I did. Maybe when I said ongoing beef, what, what I'm saying is had a beef with somebody and these people can't get past that. Like they've already made their decision going forward, how they're going to do it. Instead, instead of think, instead of saying, well, you know what? I was wrong. He was wrong. Let's sit down, have a discussion about it, and let's move forward amicably. Right. Right. And you that's what I mean? needs to so happen. Let's not, not continue to talk shit constantly or whatever. 
And but some people just don't have the capacity for that. They just they can't do it. They're set in their ways, and it is what it is. Well, you know what, Ron? In, in my years, in my years, this is the one thing that I really learned how to be very good at. Mm. I I'm not. I don't take sides. You know, I'm willing to listen to everybody's side of the story, kind of like a judge. Because I grew up in a very difficult household with a very difficult father who was like me going to court every fucking day. So you learn these skills over time, right? But, you know, some people can get past it. Some people can't get past it. Hey, listen, I have, I have reformed friendships with people that I've had huge falling outs with because I took my own advice. I let it go. I even had this example, give an example like two weeks ago. This guy that caused a lot of problems for our family because he had a beef with my dad had absolutely nothing to do with me. Like I was too young to be involved in any of it. And I decided a long time ago, because of the relationship that this particular family had with my family, I was just going to let it go. Write it off as a bad experience. Something started out small, escalated to his fucking huge thing. And I just, I just let it go. And he came up to ask me about something. He needed my help, basically. He needed my help. And I helped him out. And then we had a little discussion after. And now it's fine. But he knows that I'm going to take a guarded position from this point forward. Right? I just am. But I'm not going to completely shut him out either. Because, I mean, this is the guy that took me to my first Red Sox game. He was the best man at my parents' wedding. So he was close, right? But some shit went down, and it wasn't right. It was, and, and they were both at fault. He was at fault. My father was at fault. They were both at fault. But if I was able to forgive my father like two weeks before he passed away for all the bullshit that he pulled on me, like begged me to fucking forgive him, which I did, then I can forgive other people as well. Right, like, like, just forgive, forget, and fucking move on. Well, I shouldn't say forget because that's the one thing you never want to do is forget. You just keep it in the back. Just keep it stored up in your library, hmm. right? That library that's in the back of your head. Great point. And and ju and, ju and just and just be careful moving forward. Like, like, if you if you understand what the agenda is, then you can understand better how to deal with whatever situations come up. And that's the only advice I try to give as an old guy for all you youngsters out there. Like, take some advice from somebody that knows, right? There's a better way to handle situations. Right. And if a part of a conversation is supposed to be private, fucking keep it private. You know, don't air it, don't air it for the whole world to see. And, and it's fine. It's fine that they've done that. It's not like I've said anything that shouldn't be read. It's just, you know, they're, they're using it to mischaracterize. They're, they're putting it out of context. And uh, that's fair. It's up yeah. to them to, to do whatever they want with their social media. But anyways, Ron. Yeah, we can move on. I, yeah, no, but I, I just want to say I appreciate your advice and your wisdom. And I think this was well worth talking about because, A, we're clearing the air. B, I'm setting the precedent here now, episode 200, moving forward. 
I mean, not that we've entertained any drama in the past. I mean, if you listen to this show, in no no single episode have we ever said any bad things about any other podcast. I mean, aside from like maybe like Joe Rogan or some podcast that's like infinitely bigger than than this one. So yeah, I think people I think people should you know be happy for this clarification. And maybe they skip past it, whatever. But this is episode two hundred, so we're giving them a lot of good stuff and like i said this is a milestone episode so i just wanted to get that out of the way before we move forward and i know everyone listening is also subscribed to the wicked planet podcast and ron and i we're on to bigger and brighter shows every episode i mean every episode the wicked planet podcast improves and i think the same is true i hope the same is true for this show but ron you mentioned new england and growing up in new england and I want to know if there's maybe one story or two stories or, or, or a story that you could share with us from your younger days, your rough and tumble days. I mean, as much as you're willing to divulge, I know not all of it. We could say it's allegedly, if that's safer, <laughs> but allegedly, what, what's going on? <laughs> Well, you know, this it's like I've told other people that want me to talk about stuff. Like, there's a lot of stuff that I can talk about. There's a lot of stuff I can't talk about. But I don't know. I mean, I don't, wouldn't even know where to start. You know, like, like, like a lot of people will ask me, well, how did you get into that life? Well, it was just, you know, that was just what we did. I mean, it's I grew up in that. It was well, by default. Don't, you know, don't, so. don't don't implicate yourself we don't need necessarily a personal testimonial or a story but fill us in let it like can you describe what it was like your surroundings the the characters that were maybe not names but like the types of people that you were associating with well well i was associating with them by default right because my dad associated with them and I always was around my father. Like I grew up in the garage. So my surroundings have always been the same. It's just the haunted garage today is not the original garage we started out at. Right. So, so this is a bigger, was a bigger facility than the first one we started out at. But, but we had a lot of interesting characters roll through that place, you know, and, and my father did what he had to do to survive. You know, and he made alliances, he made allegiances with people and it worked out. I mean, it always worked out for him. You know, I mean, I mean, when I got into trouble, you know, one of the deals that I had to make was to isolate my father from any future problems. So, so to me, that was a fair trade-off, but, but other than that, I mean, yeah, my father, I think, you know, pretty sure, you know, used to loan money out on Fridays to you know, whoever. You know, he learned how to do that when he was in the service. My father was an airborne guy. He was a paratrooper right after World War II into Korea. So he had a, you know, he grew up during the Depression. Like his family, like, you know, was in the car business. You know, cars were new back then. You're talking late 20s, early 30s, going into the 40s, you know, living through the Depression. My grandparents lost all their money in a savings and loan. They ended up getting like 10 cents on a dollar back. My grandmother, from that point on, became a major miser. So that's where my father learned his miser skills from. But it was all stemmed back from, like, earlier childhood trauma, right? Because I grew up, it was hard, you know, my father had three sisters. Two of them are actually still alive. And 
you know, it was like, okay, so there's all of us, you know, and there's no food. So, so what did they do? Like my father figured out that the city would go to the landfill back then. They just dumped shit and they would dump all this like surplus food that, you know, people weren't eating or was, you know, whatever the situation was of that. And he would rummage through the city dump to fucking find something to eat. Now, I know he wasn't making that story up because I still talk to my aunts. I mean, one of them was just here the other day. Had a nice conversation with her. Hadn't seen her for a while. And she's like 80 years old. <laughs> you know, and she would tell me stories. You know, so so I know all, all the things that my dad said, you know, growing up were true. He actually got his birth certificate forged so he could go into the service when he was 16. And that was easy enough to do because the recruiter was my uncle who's married to my father's oldest sister. So he made all the arrangements so my father could get into the service when he was 16 years old. And he figured out that he didn't want to do infantry. He watched, he looks up in the sky and he sees these guys jumping out of airplanes. And he goes to, you know, whoever, he says, how do I get to do that? Oh, you can't do that. Like, why not? I could do that. I said, I'm crazy enough. They said, yeah, but you're too skinny. You jump out of an airplane, that prop blast will shoot you back and you'll be hanging up in the sky for who knows how long. <laughs> so my father's like, well, what am I going to do? Because that's what I want to do. I want to jump out of airplanes. So the guy said, okay, let's go. Takes him to some, some, you know, over to the airborne division. He says, hey, this guy wants to be airborne. He's already, you know, done all this other stuff. He can do infantry stuff. He's Obviously, can do all the PT and all the physical stuff or whatever. And he's smart. I get, my father said, the guy looked at me and he says, you sure you want to do this? He goes, I definitely want to do this. He goes, okay, here's what your duty is for the next two weeks. Go to the mess hall and fucking stay there. And I want you to do nothing but eat. He said, because you need to gain about 25 or 30 pounds before I'm going to let you jump out of an airplane. So huh. that's what he did. And then he got assigned to the 11th Airborne Division, which is part of the 101st Airborne in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. I was born in Kentucky. And uh, so, yeah, and he became honor guard. He was honor guard. My dad liked to look sharp. Like, I've got some cool pictures. I'll have to find them and post them on my uh, Ron from New England page. Like, to be honor guard, that's you, that means that you are the sharpest guy in your unit. Right. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, so, so he became a, a rigger, and that's the guy that basically preps your parachutes for everybody else. Mm. So everybody had to have a lot of trust in him, right? <laughs> and, uh, and he became a sergeant. He got promoted to being a sergeant, which is a non-commissioned officer, an NCO. And so he got a lot more, you know, gifts there, like, like better treatment, better housing, all this other stuff. And what he learned how to do was to loan money because all these GIs, okay, you're talking airborne guys, they're fucking cuckoo, man. And they would go out, take their weekend leave or whatever and spend all their money. And they would come back to the barracks and they'd have no money. So they would go to my father and he would loan them money because he didn't do that. And then of course that was with interest. <laughs> so this is where he honed all his skills was in the military. 
You know, he was in the military for a long time. He ended up getting stationed in Alaska testing Arctic equipment, like fighting in the snow. Really? Basically, basically what the Tenth Mountain Division does up here in up in upstate New York. Hold on, wow. So, so when he was there, of course, it was were people that needed to borrow money. <laughs> yeah. So why they went to Alaska was in case there was going to be an aerial invasion of North Korea. Right. It's a quick what time, jump off. What year it's was a quick this? Jump off from Alaska to Korea. What year was this? At that time was late forties, early fifties. I want to say he got out in fifty-two or fifty-three, or maybe even fifty-four. Yeah. But yeah. So when he was in the service, he got automatic extensions because it was wartime. Like when your hitch was up, like the government would say, Oh no, you're gonna stay a little longer. They didn't have any choice. Right. But anyways, so so he learned a lot of his skills in the military. And of course he was a tough guy. He was fucking tough. Like you don't, you you know, you don't do what he did. Like if you were not a hacker, you know what I mean? Like if you couldn't hack it, a non-hacker, I should say. Right. I want to say he had over 200 jumps because he was a rigger and he was, I think at this time, a staff sergeant. He, he, when he left the military, he was actually a master sergeant, but he was a staff sergeant. He could jump on any plane anytime he wanted and jump whenever he wanted. Did he, so he was just doing it for fun. Did he ever jump or parachute during active deployment? or They were never actively deployed because they were testing Arctic equipment okay. in Alaska. And when that all came to pass, then the war was basically over. Well, the Korean War was just actually... Actually, to this day, like, I don't think the Korean War is technically over. Right? Yeah. Some, and a lot of, they call it the Forgotten War, because a lot of people don't know about the Korean War. And then a lot of people say, oh, it was a police action. Mm. But you still have North Korea, South Korea, then you have the DMZ, which is a demilitarized zone. Right. right. I think right. it was 2017 or 16, there was some talk about, or maybe even earlier during Obama's time, but I remember looking into that. Because there was talk about the DMZ, and then somebody posted a conspiracy article saying the Korean War never ended, and this is why. And it all checked out. None of it was like well, the Korean fabricated. War, I don't. I don't think the Korean War. It never officially over. ended. No, the no War there's wasn't no officially ended. Well, I don't think the United States is officially a part of it, but they're a part of South Korea's military alliance. So yeah, they're technically a part of it. Well, well, we are a part of it because we have we have stationed we have troops stationed there. Hmm. Like, yeah, we have right. troops stationed right off the DMZ and in Korea. So a lot of you know, like a, a buddy of mine's kid got deployed. He's actually in Korea right now. You know, a kid that I grew up with. He's actually a comedian now. His name is Andre, and he is Korean. And he told me that when he went to South Korea to travel and visit like distant relatives. The only people he could talk to were soldiers because he was, you know, so Americanized. He barely yeah. spoke Korean. And and he said he enjoyed hanging out with the soldiers and, and smoking weed. He said he found some yeah. soldiers that had bud. <laughs> well, you know, Trump was the only president to walk in the DMZ zone. He actually really? walked and stepped into North Korea with, uh, what is it, Kim Jong-un? Kim, Kim Jong-un is. <laughs> is the new one. Yeah. 
Yeah, so he shook his hand in the DMZ. So that may have been the official end of the Korean War, but I don't think it's over. I don't think the Korean War is over. Just as a sidebar, I had a very, very beautiful Korean girlfriend for a while. Oh, wow. Okay. And yeah, yeah. To, to back up our point, not that Wikipedia is an arbiter of truth all the time, but it says right here on Wikipedia, June 1950 to present. There's technically yeah. the de facto end of the war was in 1953, but the legal end of the war has never, there's never been a legal end to the war, but the de facto right. war as in like what people are actually doing. Well, that's when fighting stopped. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, but that's the thing. I mean, look where we're at right now. Do you think that there is maybe cyber war or propaganda war going on between oh, those two countries? On. Of course, right? Yeah, that, that's going on for sure. I mean, North Korea, you know, they isolate their population up there, right? So they don't even, they don't even have access to the internet. They don't even believe that Kim Jong-un poops. That's the, the big psyop, I guess, or propaganda is that they're so well, brainwashed. They, they believe their leader doesn't ex de defecate. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot of psyops involved with North Korea, but, but North Korea has what they call an intranet, not an internet. So, so they have a they have an internet just for the people in North Korea, right? Like but intra, North is, like e North Korea is a failed state. Okay, because they take all everybody's money and they put it into the military. Mm. Well, and they're very good. Like a lot of cyber stuff comes out of Korea, right? A lot of cyber attacks come out of Korea, and, and the thing is, the current Korean regime like doesn't like Joe Biden. But the thing is, they were scared to death of Trump because Trump come out, yeah, I'll go see Rocket Man. I'll get him straightened out. And he did. Right. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. It's but, interesting. Uh, it's it's yeah. definitely interesting. There's so much. I mean, we just had the Mar-a-Lago thing happen. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, not a, I'm not somebody who's going to go back on my word. From the beginning of this podcast, I've said that I like Trump. I, I like that he has shaken up the country in the way that he did. I think it was for better and not worse. I don't think we're out of the thick of it yet, but for whatever he represents, whether it's good or bad, he woke people up and he was the first president that was unanimously hated by all sides of the mainstream media except for some small factions on fox but even they blasted him oh, from yeah. time to time yeah and I, i've i've stuck with that and uh, you know with the whole q collapse that's a good word for it you know there's this q collapse where everybody who was into q sort of got disillusioned or maybe thought like this isn't going where I thought it was or whatever happened maybe the Q drop stopped the and and now a lot of the people who are doing podcasts about like oh what's the next Q drop are like oh Trump's an asshole and you know it's just people are so temperamental it's like goldfish okay, okay so getting back to what we talked about earlier right right I'll give an example there's some podcasters out there. Simon Parks is one. Charlie, whatever his name is, is a buddy of Simon Parks. Right. They, and even the guy that does X-22 Report, his shows can be very entertaining. But they were all pushing the Q narrative. Trust the plan. The white hats are in control. 
Well, when we figured out that that was just a, a fucking rebranded Russian psyop, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. The psyop had a name to it. And instead of going online and saying, oh, these guys are fucking shills. These guys are fakes. Guys. I never said any of that. I just stopped watching them. And I just walked away from it. And I don't listen to them like to this day because they're talking like out their ass. Well, and it's, it's disappointing like, because, you know, for a while there, it felt like we were all onto something. We were all heading towards something, uh, a common goal, a truth, a, an exposure of corruption. And I think it's unfortunately leaving this alternative community divided, which might have been the plan the whole time from the powers yeah. that be, which is, you know, again, why I think it's valuable to talk about what we've talked about. I don't think everybody listening is going to be concerned. Most people are just tuning into this to take some relief and reprieve from their normal life. They're listening to it at work. They're listening to it on a hike or wherever in their car. You know, this is kind of, you know, it's not, it's not propaganda because I don't truly believe that there are like agent, they don't have the budget to pay someone to like make a fake podcast. I mean, Maybe, but like, I don't think that like they compromise people like Joe Rogan. I really don't. I think it's just, you know, personal error and personal folly. You know, you got to chalk it up. Yes, there's corruption. Yes, there's bad people in the world. But in the podcasting space, I really don't think it's worth their time to go and make like a a, a fake personality to to be like a head of disinformation in the podcasting sphere. So it's really unfortunate to see people like battling each other over these ideas that we should all be sort of scientifically working on together. Like, oh, okay, does this work? Does this work? Hey, does this theory work with this theory? No, okay, well, how can all of our theories kind of cohesively come together to be a common truth that makes rational sense or gets us closer to our goal? You know, not something that's just an amalgam to include everybody. I'm not talking about this social justice warrior. Everybody's feelings matter. Everyone gets a trophy bullshit. Not that. I'm talking about if you're right, if you're really onto it, if you're really caring about the truth, then you should be willing to accept when evidence shows that you're wrong. Because you could be right again. I think so many people are so hung up on, well, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. They don't want to even accept the fact or the possibility that they could ever be wrong. Right. And, and that's a big indicator that they have a lot of growth to do, you know? Well, well, I've always been a person that can own my mistakes. That's and what it's I'll, all about. I'll come out and I'll say, hey, you know what? I was talking about this and that. This is what I thought. Turns out I was wrong. And I'm here to tell you that I was wrong. Well, and, and that's part and, of and why. Next time, next time we'll try to do better. Agreed. Agreed. So I try not to make those mistakes. Yeah. Right. But I kind of disagree with you on one aspect. Okay. I think, okay, they're already looking at us podcasters as domestic terrorists because we're spreading misinformation, disinformation, whatever they want to call it. I think, and I am a firm believer, that they would select somebody from a pool of people that fits a particular mold that people like us would vibe with set them up, give them a platform and use them to spread their narrative through whatever PSYOP 
and to infiltrate other podcasts. Now, they're not podcasts on our level, but bigger podcasts. Well, that's what I mean. I, I I'm like, think- like I think I think that's something they would definitely do, and they got the fucking money. But here's so, the so thing: don't, so don't say they don't have the money to do it because this country, one thing they do. If they want to do something, well, they'll find the fucking money. Here's the thing, though, Ron. I agree with you that if it happened, it wouldn't. They wouldn't waste their time with a small, low-level podcast, obviously. But I don't think that the average podcast listener is fooled by the bells and whistles of the mainstream media, and it's hard for those types to come across as authentic. Sure, there are charlatans. Sure, there are snake oil salesmen. Sure, there are people who maybe believe in something for a while, are proven wrong, but then they hold to it, and then it's all a fraud from there. But I think that that when the, the agencies or the powers that be try to wholesale, like put a fraud in place or a compromised person in place, podcasting is such an honest medium that like people will suss it out just by listening. Like people are listening to this because this is an authentic conversation. It's not scripted. I didn't call you an hour ago and say, Ron, we got to talk about this. That This is all off the top of our heads, the same type of conversation we would have on the phone if we were recording or not. And uh, hell, let me check, make sure we're still recording. Yes, we are. <laughs> cool. That's the one thing you got to keep an eye on audacity. Equipment's working yeah. fine. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, my point is, I don't think that that would be a successful tactic to try to compromise a podcaster. Cause I think that like, for example, if Joe Rogan was compromised and he could be, I'm not saying he's not, I don't know for sure. But if he, if he was, I think eventually the audience would realize it enough to where he wouldn't be as popular as he is. I think he's as popular as he on. Yeah, and People he's as popular on. as he is because he's in a niche, you know, with yeah. this certain niche. He's not the, well, the me, arbiter of truth. Let me give you my thoughts on this. And I actually had this discussion with somebody earlier today. Okay. If you look at, and I've said this before, when Joe Rogan was a stand-up comic, I didn't think he was that funny, wasn't a fan of his. I did really like when he had a show, Fair Factor. That was freaking funny. One of the first shows I remember as a kid. But I never had anything, never anything bad to say because, you know, he's working it. He's putting in the time. He's doing his job. He's doing what he thinks because we all, our talent all evolves. Like, like when we first got into podcasting, we probably weren't that good at it. Maybe now we're just maybe a little bit better. The first 50 episodes compared to now. Yeah. We go further. We get better, right? Yeah. So this is what Joe Rogan did. Then he got involved with uh, UFC, Mm -hmm. became an announcer, was really good at that. And then he starts Joe Rogan experience and he was on his own. I mean, you could get him on uh, like everywhere, just like our show. And then Spotify must have seen because Joe Rogan had a lot of really interesting guests on before Spotify, like basically nailed him down to a contract. So when anybody says that Joe Rogan is a shell or Joe Rogan is a controlled opposition or whatever, if that was the case, would he have people on like Dr. McCullough, Dr. Malone, a lot, a lot of these frontline doctors. Would he have people come on that were ex-military that talk about things, how they're not happy with the government? No, fucking, they wouldn't let him do that. Right, he's he talking about illegal that. drugs. He's talking about 
He's talking about Substack, something that's designed to help journalists get information out and uh, avert censorship. I mean, just the past five or six episodes have been up that in the, the vein of curiosity. It's not always in the realm of like what we dive into as open minded. But when you're on that level and you take in what Joe takes in on a daily basis, I would imagine that some of the things that you and I discuss on our shows would be, you know, threatening concepts to the rest of his worldview. And that's just what happens. If anything, he's in a, a good example for certain biases. I mean, he is biased in a certain direction, but who isn't, you know? Right. Yeah, I, think, I think all of us, all of us are a little biased to our own thoughts and our own ideologies. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. And also consider what it might seem like to someone when you send them a message on the internet. You know, it's, the 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 more messages you get, the the more famous you get. You know, the 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 wider the gap between you and your average listener is. You know, when you start a show, like the first hundred, even now, the people that hit me up, I love talking to them. They're all great people for the most part. They're all very kind and supportive and they send me DMs or emails or however they get in touch. And as my show's gotten more popular, luckily I've maintained that curve. It's been a pretty relatively great people, but I can imagine when you get a Joe Rogan numbers and there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, there's a lot more crazy people than there are kind people who are impulsive enough to just send a message right so you sort you tune all that out and i think there was a point in joe's podcasting thing where you know maybe he realized like oh people you know are really onto this you know like i the, people love this like i i don't want to compromise this you know so he doesn't have time to to listen to people's feedback negative or positive because he's mm -hmm. just focusing on the, like the ship that he's steering and like keeping it on the course. Yeah. You know, a lot of people will say, well, you know, Joe Rogan, he's a sellout. He's taken all that money from Spotify. Hey, in his contract, Spotify is not allowed to dictate what he talks about. Right. And he's, and he's, cause they tried to do that. Remember when they tried to cancel him? Right. And then when he, when he had COVID or allegedly or whatever cold he had, and he did and he did that when the mainstream media took the pictures because they doctored the pictures up to make him look bad, right? Look at the guests that he's had on. Look at some of the subject matter that his shows are about, right? Everybody's like, well, he must be a sellout. He's taken all that money, like millions and millions of dollars that they paid. I don't know the exact amount, but I heard it was like 50 million or something like that. It might even be more than that, okay? Doesn't mean he's a shill. Right. All it means is that Spotify recognized that this guy has a big audience is that they can make some money off of Joe Rogan. Well, you want to get Isn't that how business works? Isn't that how it worked with Howard Stern? Right. That's how it worked with Opie and Anthony. Well, you I'll, know, which was a great show. I'll give but you Howard Stern. Howard Stern was a nobody. Hmm. And look at how he blew up because they let him fucking do what he does. <laughs> right. Right. They may not agree with it, but everybody agrees with making money. Well, and and people and I don't think it's any different for Joe Rogan. Right, and people want that authentic feel that they got from Howard Stern in the early days and I'm sure up until a certain point and that they got from Joe Rogan and podcasting in general. But yeah, I think, you know, it's it's a good example of someone who's a shill in my opinion 
is Trevor Noah because you saw that show, The Daily Show, with Jon Stewart pushing boundaries, calling out both sides, not just sticking to one political narrative. And as that show got further and further along, you know, not that I agree with Jon Stewart and everything he he believes, but that show was a, a really, really important thing. It was medicine at that time in the country. And they inserted a guy from South Africa to be the host who had no relationship really with like the American culture other than like the idea that they have of America and other countries, which is biased, you know, and to me, definitely push the left's agenda. Yeah. And, you know, I even, I I was surprised that, you know, I was fooled. I'll admit it. I was fooled by Stephen Colbert. I mean, now compared to what he initially was with the Colbert report is such a different person, but what you realize is, oh, okay, the conservatives were in power, so to speak, politically then, and that was the liberal government, you know, insidiously taking shots at them. And that's how it's always been, this left, right, left, right. But now with alternative podcasting, the neutral voice is the most powerful voice. There's no, there's no, you know, consensus of like, oh, well, the conservative podcasts are more popular than the liberal podcasts. Not at all. Not at all. Joe Rogan's podcast doesn't take either side, and that's considered the most popular. And there are others that are equally popular. And there are shill podcasts, but they're mostly done by, like, like, do you remember that podcast with Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama? That's a shill podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and I don't think that went very far. Did it? No, exactly. That's my yeah. point. People don't want to listen to Netflix stuff like that. canceled the, the Obama show right. on, on Netflix. People don't want to uh, listen okay, so to that. So let's go back to The Daily Show. Go ahead. Way before John Stewart came into the Daily Show, it was Craig Kilborn who did the Daily Show. Okay, that was before it, my time. Yeah, it was just a funny fucking show, and yeah. I watched it almost every night. So, it, so before John Stewart, was it as political as it was with John Stewart? It wasn't political at all when right. Craig Kilborn ran it. It was just a funny news spoof show. Okay, and oh. it was fucking hilarious. I loved. Craig Kilborn. Yeah. Where is and he? Where did he and go? And I'll tell you, people, if you don't know who Craig Kilborn is. No, I don't. Everybody has probably seen the movie. Oh, my God. What is the name of the movie? God damn it. Had Will Ferrell. Craig Kilborn was in it. It was a famous movie. They had the wedding scene. Step Brothers? Huh? Step Brothers? No, no, not Step Brothers. Talladega Nights? No. No, uh, the Will wedding. Ferrell, what didn't it? he had a big part? He was Frank the Tank in the movie. Oh, old school or old school? Yeah, old school. Old school. Okay, thank you. Yeah, he I was a nut. At times where I can't remember shit. Yeah. So the movie Old School. Okay, Craig Kilborn's character was the boy, the asshole boyfriend to the girl that Luke Luke Stevens' character was in love with. Anyways, and he was like the jerk. He, they caught him, you know, making out with one of the waiters at a party, you know, or whatever. That's Craig Kilborn. He's he's the guy that ended up driving off the bridge in the end. Okay. In the Porsche. So, oh. so that that was Craig Kilborn. Yeah. And, and when he did the Daily Show, it was awesome. It was funny. Mm. I liked it when John Stewart took it over. I like John Stewart. I think John Stewart's funny. He did a great job on the Daily Show, right? But as the daily show progressed and then of course Colbert would come in and sit in on that. And then he did his own show, the Colbert report. 
which when that first came out seemed like be a pretty good show, but then that started pushing the left narrative. And then the Daily Show started becoming more weaponized as a political show. Right. And they did that whole like good night special. And that was like the, I forget, it set some kind of record. I I don't remember if it was like the Obama's second term or Trump's, the Trump election, but one of those set like a huge record. And then right before the Trump election or, you know, sometime before the, the Trump campaign, John Stewart was nixed and they put trevor noah in there i don't remember how soon it was but it felt like it was right before that time when things got politically different because yeah well well you know the thing with john stewart john stewart's a big advocate for veterans right mm-hmm. the va right and and so was trump right so so john stewart just was very vocal down in washington about some veteran affairs things that were happening yeah. Yeah, I like John Stewart. Yeah, but but I mean he's 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 a leftist like he is. But I think you know when you got a good comedy show like that, fucking don't get don't take sides on the politics. Like if you're going to beat up on politicians or whatever, beat up on both sides. Well, and some of the funniest like, podcasts beat up on both sides. Yeah, some you know? some of the best podcasts I listen to in terms of comedy don't take a side, you know, and yeah. they're just they're apolitical for the most part. And even Tripoli, Sam Tripoli's show he takes either side, you know, like he, he doesn't limit himself to, to one side or the other. They, they look at everything. They've had very liberal leaning guests and very conservative leaning guests and very apolitical guests, you know, but, yeah. but yeah, this has been going on for a little while here, Ron, we got to get to our next caller, but it's been a pleasure having you here well, on the well, 200th Mark, let episode. Me yeah. Let me finish up one thing. Sorry for we were talking about my dad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got into in some his, other in his, stuff. In his yeah. time in Korea. So when he came back to the home front, mm-hmm. he took what he learned in the military, and I'm not talking about his military skills. He took the skills he learned on the side, mm. and that's what he kind of did, you know, when I was a kid. And like I said, you know, he had to do, he had an eighth grade education. He had to do what he had to do, Right. But because of what he was doing, that he would meet certain people that kind of helped him along with that. And then people that he would do favors for, they would do favors for us. And of course, as a kid, I didn't know who these people were. They were just friends of the family. But it turns out these people had like really big organized crime connections. And then, and I actually had somebody ask me this the other day. They're like, well, how were these people ending up in your town? Well, because this is where their this is where their cabins were, their camps. Mm. Just happened to turn out that way. Like they came here to like get away from Providence. You know, so all the stuff was Rhode Island based. Like if you want to know who ran Rhode Island, just Google it. It's real fucking simple. But these people were all like members of that organization or associates of that organization. Mm. So that's how I ended up being an associate of that organization because these people could tell when I was young that I was a little bit more advanced mentally, like in a, in a criminal kind of way. (laughs) Yeah. And they liked that. And they liked how I was easier to deal with than my dad Mm -hmm. because I looked at the bigger picture, not the picture like in front of your nose, Mm -hmm. like four or five steps out. 
So consequently, I ended up doing things with them and back and forth until somebody became a state's witness and turned on everybody. And then a whole bunch of us got arrested. And that just gives you a little, just a little teeny background, right? Of, of, you know, where I came from. And, and a lot of the wisdom that I have now was taught to me by these people. Because these guys live this shit every single day. Like stuff we talk about, you know what I mean? Like when I say, listen, don't air your shit in public. Certain things are off limits. Like your family is off limits. Like like if, you, if they're working with you, then you're the focal point. Right? It doesn't go past that. Something as simple as, and sometimes you're guilty of this too. <laughs> I will text you. Takes you a day or two to get back to me. Oh yeah, no, I, I can admit to that. Sure, and, and I know, and I know that that's just how you are. Well, and that's and, that, and that's. Cool. I'm spinning so I'm a lot of plates over here, Ron. I always try I know, to get back I to you, you though. Are, I know so there I are others that. who have waited longer. <laughs> but I understand. I understand that, and I get that, and, Thank and, we're, you. and we're cool with that, right? Thank so, you. But in that world, like this was before fucking cell phones and text messaging, right? And this is even goes before pagers. Like if they wanted you to have a pager, like I would never wear a pager for these guys. Like, but they would ask, oh, we want you to have a pager in case we need to get a hold of you. I'm like, yeah, fuck that. I'm not wearing no pager. You need to get a hold of me. You know how to get a hold of me. And this was on the phone, right? There was no email or nothing back then, right? But if somebody from that world called you, you fucking called them back as soon as fucking possible. If if somebody said, hey, hey, Ronnie, I fucking called you and you didn't call me back for a week. Yeah, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Well, they never had to have that conversation with me because I didn't fucking do that. Because that was like an unwritten rule. Like if somebody's calling you, it's important. May not be important to the general public, but it's important to these guys because who knows what the fuck they got going on. Maybe it's time sensitive. If they need you to do a favor, it's a time sensitive favor. If they need you to take a drive down to Providence and meet with somebody, like you got to fucking do that. Right. It's not, well, let me look at my calendar. No, your fucking calendar is irrelevant. Right. <laughs> so, so, so you need to be at this bar. One of them was called Shooters. Oh, I, I can give I can give that name out. And it was actually just outside. It was in East Providence. You got to be at Shooters Thursday night, seven o'clock. We got to have a little meeting. Okay, I'll be there. That was it. There was no fucking, oh, I'll call you back in a week or fucking blow you off. I, like That was none of that. Like, you didn't do that. And that's just part of my old school upbringing. <laughs> like, like. Like if somebody messages me, like, like, in, in, unless I don't have my phone with me, and sometimes that is the case. Like if I'm working, if I'm welding or something, like you don't put a cell phone down, a smartphone next to where you're welding, because it will fucking fry it. <laughs> you know what I mean? The electrical, the pulse will fuck up your phone. So I don't do that. So, so I always try to get in the habit, and at least by the end of the day, seeing who called me or who messaged me, and I get back to them. It's just that's just how I am. But. That's just one example of somebody that's older and has lived a kind of interesting lifestyle. And that's not even talking about 
the biker part of my life, which we could talk about further another time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, definitely. I mean, because everybody's like, well, how are you involved in this? And you're involved in bikers at the same time because these two organizations always work together. Mm. They're both, well, not all bike clubs are organized crime, but a lot of them are. And a lot of the ones that we knew were. So, and sometimes these guys from this organization over here and these guys in this motorcycle organization, well, they, they work together. And this is how they expanded their empire, right? So there's always allegiances and, and alliances that nobody would ever think of, right? But I can tell you for a fact that this shit did happen. Oh, yeah. So we can get more into my history some other time. A lot of people, like in this town, like anybody that's an oldie, like old townie in this family knows that. I mean, in this town, knows about me and my family. And they fucking leave us alone. And that's fine. And I get along with everybody anyway. I mean, they call me the mayor in this town. Like the road agent will text me about something. Okay, mayor, I'll check it out. We need to get you a little I, top I, I, hat. I walk, into the, I walk into the town hall, like where the people that actually run the town work. I walk in, oh, the mayor's here. <laughs> you know, I, I, we bought a new truck and they had to drive it up from Massachusetts to register it. And this guy doesn't know me from Adam. He walks in. We got to register the truck right then and there because they don't have temporary plates in Massachusetts. But we're in New Hampshire. So if we buy something in Massachusetts, it's tax free. But they, you can't take delivery in mass. Like they have to bring it to you. Mm. So this dude brings our truck up, walks into the town hall. I'm in there. I'm talking to the town clerk this and that. And, and the guy goes, oh, and then the police chief walks in. Oh, hey, mayor, what's going on? Anything I need to know? Anything we need to talk about while I'm here? I don't know. It's all good. It's okay. He takes off. Selectman comes in. Oh, hey, Ronnie, what you doing? I said, oh, I'm getting my truck registered. Oh, that's cool. So, the, so this guy, so this guy from the car, the, the truck dealership out of Fall River, he's like, oh, you know a lot of people here, right? And, and the town clerk, the town clerk says, well, he should. He's the mayor. He goes, he's the mayor. She goes, yeah, he's the mayor. He's the mayor. He's the mayor of this town. I almost said the town. <laughs> yeah, he's the mayor. So he goes, oh, I didn't know that. I said, yeah, I'm the mayor. Whatever. I just played along with it. But it's funny. So so that's how well known I am in the town that the haunted garage is in. Well, I want to I wanna say for the listening audience, they can look forward to a in-person, in-studio episode with yours truly and I, as soon as I make my way up to an undisclosed location in New England and when I arrive at the Haunted Garage, better believe we will podcast and I might ask you about the bikers and I might ask you about some other stuff because, you know, we grow up around here, whether you're in a nice neighborhood or a suburb or a city, like you see crime, you know, like it's a small region, you see it, you know, there's no avoiding it. So I have a lot of questions. It's always been a fascination of mine, and I don't feel like I've found enough good podcasts about true crime in New England. Maybe I just haven't seen them. If anyone wants to share that with me, I'm open to that. But I'd also like to create some episodes dealing in that. So whether it's you and I as co-hosts, maybe interviewing some guy that maybe wants to go anonymously or something like that. I mean, that could be something we do moving forward over Zoom. But I'm looking forward to to meeting you in person, Ron. You've you've been kind enough to host me once, but unfortunately, we didn't meet that day. So I have 
been to your your locale, but I, I have yet to meet you. So I'm looking forward to that. We'll get that going soon enough, folks. Look forward to Wicked Planet podcast, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, Swapcast in person in studio. Well, this is how much this is how much I trust Mark. Thank you. I appreciate texts, that. This is like over a year ago. He texts me, hey, Ron, I'm going to be in New Hampshire. You know, everybody knows we're in New Hampshire, so we don't need to hide that fact. Uh, I said, yeah, no, I'm off. I'm off four-wheeling. I'm not even around. I said, but uh, the kid's home. I'll tell him to leave the front door unlocked. <laughs> right? Gave him my directions, gave him my street address. He right. camped out on my front lawn, left me some treats. That was cool. So, so yeah, but this time we're going to do it together. So, so you're going to get in the studio at the Haunted Garage. We'll get Buckley's ass in here, which he should be showing up any minute now because we're going to do our early version of the Wicked Planet today. And, but yeah, we'll get together. I'm going to take you on a little sightseeing trip. Going to take you up and show you some real mountains. And uh, we'll get some good food. We'll hang out. See if my guys can fiddle with your car a little bit because Mark is always having fucking car problems. Another reason to support the show. It's episode 200, folks. You want to see more? <laughs> episodes of the <laughs> yeah. show would help if i had an, a reliable car but that's not their fault that's not the listener's fault but support the show it'll help me get yeah, you'll get there my shit you'll together but yeah and support ron's show the wicked planet podcast you got a patreon now and of course you can find his podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast you don't have a youtube channel yet but uh, maybe one day you make a youtube right do you I have, have YouTube? it all set up oh cool all right so then people listening yeah. on YouTube, go and subscribe to the Wicked Planet podcast on YouTube and anything I else called, I left out. I think it, I'm sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I it's think right. it's called just Wicked Planet. Okay. I don't have anything up there yet. The Patreon is set up. I need to finalize all the banking information. I need to get my fingers out of my ass and get that done. We've got the three tiers signed up, you know, all lined up. Mark helped me with that. And because uh, and I've got a lot of people say, hey, we'll support the show when you get your Patreon going. No problem. That's awesome. I'm like, okay, okay, let's get it done. So yeah. I, you know, I want to start getting some stuff up there and be looking for that like in the next few weeks. I mean, we're coming up on Labor Day. It's a very busy time of year for me. The kid's going to be going back to school here another week or so. Kind of, she's kind of a priority, like not kind of, but she is a priority for me. And, uh, you know, when I get a little extra time, well, I'll sit down and I'll get that Patreon finalized. I'll get something up on the Wicked Planet YouTube channel. And the show will be evolving to the next level. Mm. But yeah, so come check us out. Right on. Come check me out on Instagram, Ron from New England. Right on. Yeah, Ron I'm from New England. I, I got some funny stuff on there. You can find all those links on Alt Media United. His Wicked Planet podcast page has all those links, and I'll be sure to put all that in the description. It's going to be a long description for this episode. A bunch of interesting people have joined us and we're gonna go over to our next caller so thank you folks for tuning in to episode 200 and enjoy the rest of this episode you already filter information from sound smell and touch but now you're gonna be assaulted by a million things you never even knew existed it's a whole new level of confusion People are going to expect you to be able to do things that you can't do. Read signs, recognize body language, people's gestures, facial expressions, and just get out of their way. Your eyes will want to dominate how you perceive the world, but you can't fully trust them, not yet. In the next few weeks, I'm going to help you to see the world like it really is, okay? Some of it's going to be wonderful, a lot of it's going to be difficult, but the main thing is to be prepared, and that's where I come in. 
Yes, 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 yes. 